So, you survive. Thanks to the gods, not you. Thanks to one god, my dear brother, the Queen of Darkness. She sent the Kenda back here, and it was he, I presume, who had altered time, allowing your life to be spared. Does it gall you, Karamon, to know you owe your life to the Queen of Darkness? Does it gall you to know you owe her your soul? Black Dragon, from Darkness to Darkness, my voice echoes in the emptiness. Take us home, Mason. What? Take us home. You're such a weak, sniveling fool, Karamon. Surely you must know by now what I had done. The Kenda must have told you about the gnome. You know I betrayed you. <laughs> I would have left you for dead in this wretched place. And still you cling to me. I'm clinging to you because the waters are closing over your head, Raisley. <laughs> My hand on your arm. That's all we have. Nothing can erase what you've done, Ras. can never be the same between us. My eyes are open. I see you for who you are. And yet you beg me to come with you. I could learn to live with the knowledge of what you are and what you've done. But you have to live with yourself, Raisley. There are times at night when even that must be damn near unbearable. Think of this though. You have done good in your life. Racing it maybe even better than most of us. Oh, I've helped people. It's easy to help someone when help is appreciated. But you helped those who threw it back in your face. You've helped those who didn't deserve it. You've helped even when you knew it was hopeless. Thankless still good you could do to make up for the evil. Leave this. Come home. <laughs> the dark crimes that stain my soul, brother, you cannot begin to imagine. If you knew, you would turn from me in horror and in loathing. And you are right. Sometimes in the night, even I turn from myself. But know this, Garamon. I committed those crimes intentionally, willingly. Know this too. There are darker crimes before me, and I will commit them intentionally, willingly. What? What about her? Yes, my brother. She will enter the abyss with me. She will go before me fight my battles. She will face dark clerics, dark magic users, spirits of the dead, doomed to wander in that cursed land. Plus, the unbelievable torments that my queen can devise. All this will wound her body, devour her mind and shred her soul. Finally, when she can endure no more, she will slump to the ground to lie at my feet, bleeding, wretching, dying. She will, with her last strength, hold out her hand to me for comfort. 
She will not ask me to save her. She's too strong for that. She will give her life to me, willingly, gladly. All she will ask is that I stay with her as she dies. But I will walk past her, Garamond. I will walk past her without a look, without a word. Why? Because I need her no longer. I will continue forward to my goal, and my strength will grow even as the blood flows from a pierced heart. Let go of me, my brother. Oh, and one final hint of caution, my brother. Be wary of the magical time device. Her dark majesty repaired it. It was she who sent the kinder back. If you use it, you will find yourself in a most unpleasant place. She didn't fix it. Tash said his friend Nibs fixed it. The gnome, you murder! Use it then! Take Tash yourself out of your caravan! But remember, I warned you! Come on, Tass. Let's go home. Farewell, my brother. Pre-recorded in a second-floor guest room filled with tall ales and taller tales. Join a group of grown men intent on discussing the intricacies of fantasy and science fiction. Tim Gilbert Media presents... Don't just that we! I got it right to the back of her Hello, all you fans of pure and crisp clarion calls to darkness. This is the Dungeons and Dweebs podcast, episode 22, Dragonlands, War of the Twins, part two. I'm your host, Bob. If you've ever hit that invisible wall and experienced dark, shadowy wings fluttering around your head that dissolve into smoke and are blown away, then you better double check what you put in your vape, man. Dragonor Breaker the Knight. But I'm not alone. He's been known to whisper, O Radiant One, be with her. Open this portal so that I may go forward bearing your torch. Then seeing the glimmer of her purity, he exulted that nothing, nothing could stop him now. It's Luke. Don't stop. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome uh, to Dungeons and Dweebs, a literature review podcast. Where we review literature. Weird. Wait, is that what we're doing? Hey. Um, at, <laughs> Jeez. What? Let's, let's kick things off. Uh, hey, one last time around the table in this studio. To my left, the size of his dragon orbs is constantly changing depending on the temperature. It's Glob. Up to my resilient soldiers. The days of August are over. Time for many of us to come to terms with the time when we drift off into the bitter darkness of the winter months. Thank goodness we have the autumn twilight to help ready us for the bleakness that will soon overtake us. Truthfully, I love fall. 
Uncle Klob's a fan of breaking out the spiced ales and the roast beasts, snuggling with bosomy maidens under a fuzzy blanket by a campfire, making sure they don't burn their Ugg boots or melt their Lululemon <laughs> leggings by getting them too close to the flames. Lululemon. That's all right, babe. I'll keep you warm. <laughs> Across the table from me. We've said it many times, but he sports a wondrous beard that would make William Riker or any of the Fireforge clan jealous. <laughs> He's preparing women for dates that haven't even been invented yet. <laughs> He's the Ragnar Lodbrook to my Bjorn Ironside. Look up your Viking lore, kids. Paul, how are you on this cool rainy evening? Oh, I am doing fantastic. I, I, I'm a little happy that I was just compared to Riker. Uh, I, I just, uh, my, my nerd just kind of went a little bit, yay. All right, uh, yeah. Hey, we, so, don't need to, we don't need to know any nicknames you have for your body parts. Hey, just don't worry about it, all right? My Riker is always ready. Oh, yes, it is. But we are here to review part two of the middle book of the Legends trilogy. Dragon Lands. <laughs> On this, Summer of Lands 2. Wait, are we just doing, oh, are we just doing book two? No. Oh. The, no. the second half? Well, the second half. Like, so book two. Well, the second not, two not even the second half. The last two thirds. Yeah, two thirds. Yeah. Book two and book three. Of yes. volume two. Of volume two. It's, yeah, more like two thirds of yes. the book. So actually, what we have in front actually of folks, this may be a long episode. <laughs> uh, it might. It depends. We never know. No, we, we always go real short on everything. No. We don't. We don't ever go. We never get caught up in minutia. No, no, never, <laughs> never, never, never do it. Yes, never, never once. No. You know, but who else? The Dungeons out, and Dweebs promise. Who else out there is going through every book with a fine tooth comb and dwelling on every little bit <laughs> of <laughs> insubstantial nothingness? As soon as you said that, I just flashed to the spaceballs scene in the desert where they're combing the desert. Found <laughs> 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 it again. We ain't found <laughs> nothing. <laughs> Nothing. It's true. This is true. This is true. All right. Well, it is about that time. Um, why don't you say we can run into this right away? Yes. I will get the first set of drinks from the bar. I'm actually going to go get them because I've got a big surprise for you guys. Oh, I am oh. so excited. Wait. What is mulled wine? I was in a relationship with a woman with the blue dragon. She brought me up to her room Boy, did she have good Where's my corn purse? Why don't you fellas follow me to my couch? I'll show you how my glory is good. What'll it be, boys? Tavern talk. All right, we're back. We're seated around the fire. Sit it even. <laughs> One last time. Uh, in this studio. In this studio. In this studio. Mulled wine is actually, it's wine that's cooked over the flame with spices. Oh, okay. oh, well, oh. fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Taught me something new today. Yeah, just uh, make sure that uh, you don't swallow any of the little beads and the stuff that's in there. So Tavern Talk, welcome everybody. Tavern Talk, if, you, if you're for some reason jumping in on episode 22, part two of a book, good for you. Is where? Yeah, welcome, <laughs> oh, yeah. you brave soul. I, I do feel like it's fun to start in the middle book, in right in the middle, and dig your way out one side or the other. It's just <laughs> actually, yeah. yeah, yeah, because that's something that serial killers do. <laughs> <laughs> you mind your own. Uh, Tavern Talk is uh, a little segment where we sit down, talk about listener feedback and what's going on in our nerd world, right? Uh-huh. Um, and we usually start with me, so me kicking this off doesn't make any sense. <laughs> but hey, Luke, what what has been going on in your thank nerd you, universe? Thank you for asking, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> um, in my nerd universe, I've uh, been watching a show on Netflix mm. called "I Am a Killer." Oh, interesting! A different uh, different route of my nerddom here. Um, 
It's interviews with um, killers generally on uh, death row. Okay. Interviews with them. And I, I really do like the approach that this series takes. It's a Netflix original. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll initially sit down every episode with the killer. You'll get their side of the story, and they go out and they get the other side of it. Right. So you always start this off like, oh, man, maybe this guy shouldn't be on death row. And they start talking to everybody else like, oh, no, this guy's super crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and a danger to society. And, folks, I need to point out here, too, that... We try to keep things as fresh as possible when we talk about them. So when I made the serial killer crack earlier, I had no idea that Luke was actually going to start talking about that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah I, did, I, I did not bring up that I've been watching this at all to you guys. That's great. Oh, uh, we got that. I also do have a uh, Disenchanted. Uh, it's in my list. I really want to. Mm. I really want to watch this. It's from the guys who made Futurama. Okay. And oh. it's kind of a fantasy twist on. That I'm pretty sure it's disenchanted, disenchantment, disenchanted. It's disenchanted. Mm-hmm. At any rate, um, I got a little bit of a feedback on Twitter. Oh, interesting. Just a little bit. A uh, John, John on Twitter, um, tweets at us as a member of the Dragonlance Nexus and Canticle. I must say that I'm enjoying your Dragonlance book reviews. Reviews. Went back and listened to the Chronicles reviews episodes as well. Thanks for the shoutouts on the both on both the Canticle and the Nexus. Right. Well, John, you are very welcome, and it is honestly blowing my mind that you're even listening to us. When, I, when, we, when we first started thinking about doing this podcast, mm-hmm. and then the summer leading up last summer was we yes. were going to start recording, I, I listened to Ooh, a even, lot. Even the, uh, it was like the, we knew we were going to do this for a while. Right. Now, we, I think we might have sat on this for like a year. We sat on it for a while just mulling it yeah. over. Uh, but yeah, uh, I listened to a lot of Canticle, and those guys are, are really I, good. I obviously didn't absorb a lot of it. Like I, did, I didn't learn a lot because those guys, if, again, if you're looking for a podcast that, that knows their Dragonlance, uh, really gets into the minutia, but is very knowledgeable about everything, like we don't have the... the and is just centered on the Dragonlance universe right. itself. Like, like we don't have the back knowledge of having played the modules or or have you know access to all of the you know we're we're not steeped in all the lore these yeah. guys are steeped in all the lore so having him say that is really cool because he he's one of the the big dogs of the Dragonlance oh, universe yeah. and yeah and big thank you to you know the, the work you've done on the Nexus and everybody at the Nexus because Man, I don't feel like I'd know a heck of a lot without that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, mean, I do read the books, but you know it does we, help. We to need have the nexus, the, the yeah. reference points. Um, and just a little shout out for the Canticle. They did just have an episode that came out this last week. Really? Yeah, okay. they haven't had anything since about April, okay. and it doesn't look like they post very often. It looks like they kind of like came back to life this year. Um, no, no, it's, it's, yeah, it's about every couple months or so. Right. They got a new episode, uh, Dragonlance Canticle number 101, Influential Characters and Drake, or, whoop. They got a new episode out, uh, Dragonlance Canticle number 101, Influential Characters. Uh, so go check that out. Yeah. Uh, I definitely will be. I, I highly recommend them. Yeah, definitely, highly definitely. Recommend. That's, but that's, you know, that's been my nerd week, my, I don't know, this... August is insane if you work for a school. That's all I know. <laughs> With tech. Yeah. And your school has one-to-one iPads. <laughs> yeah. But, Club. What have you been up to? Um, Really the only thing I've been up to, and I've been talking about this with you guys outside the podcast for about the last month or so, or since I found out that this was going, actually a couple months since I found out this was going to be a thing, I get to bring Mara Mara Jade home this week. What? I get to bring Mara Jade Club home this week. (laughs) Um, B.S. I know. And and Mara Mara Jade in my universe here is a 
uh, chocolate lab puppy. <laughs> oh, oh, that in my universe. In my funny. universe. I thought um, it was going to be an Irish setter. <laughs> that would have worked, yeah, that would have worked yeah. as well. But I talked to you guys a lot about, you know, names that I was picking yeah. out different, like Doctor Doctor Who companions and mm. different stuff. And then it just it just kind of fit. She's Mara. Right. Oh, yeah. She's Mara, and I'm sure she's going to be a pain in my butt, just like Mara was to Luke Skywalker in the novel. <laughs> <That's> so, <laughs> and, and by well, the way... Uh, and we'll get to that. But, <laughs> by the way, only two more episodes, and we will be doing the yeah, Thrawn trilogy. Correct. Ah, origin of Mara Jade. Awesome. Correct. Paul, how about you, my friend? Uh, well, for the last, I don't know, nine, ten days, I've been in the middle of a lake, so it's been great, other <laughs> than the fact that I haven't been able to really do anything super nerdy. So, it's it's right. just been you one of those... in a lake? Yes. In the middle of it. On a like, boat. On a like, party no, barge. Okay. Yeah, it was no, party barge. I went, I went on not, a fishing trip with some friends. It was a great time. Not, not floating like, J- or not, not underneath the water like Jason Voorhees. No. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> Which, okay, I've got to tell this story really quick. We were at a wedding that took place uh, last weekend. In the middle of a lake. Um, and it would, took place at a camp down at uh, On Crystal at a lake. lake. No, no, it wasn't, it wasn't Crystal Cr- Lake. Crystal was there, but... But it it is it is kind of fun. Maybe this is sadistic. But my uh, my daughter and a bunch of her friends. She is she's ten, and the the other girls were kind of in that range mm-hmm. age range. And they were down there, and the the place was kind of run down, right? Like it's like mm-hmm. it was like a camp that obviously had seen its better years and mm-hmm. was now kind of run down. There was like kind of this old rickety dock sticking out into the lake, but. I don't know. It, it looked like it hadn't been uh, used for a long time. So we're down there playing around by the water um, as, as, you know, the bride and everybody are taking their pictures and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And my daughter's kind of like, so why hasn't... Why, why did, <laughs> you know, and I, I, just, I just started spinning the story about Jason Voorhees. I'm like, well, about 20 years ago, <laughs> some campers were found dead. <laughs> to your ten-year-old, <laughs> your ten-year-old. Good job, man. She kind of likes to spin with me on some of this stuff, and did it was. You, kinda, did you ever like? Uh, I told her about it? the kid in the water. I said something. What did you clarify, or does she just think that this is a, a thing? I never clarified. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> now oh my hold on. God. You said your daughter was there with some friends. So some friends, yeah. All of the friends yeah, as well. They're here. from a. a so nobody knows where we live, so I guess this won't mean anything. But uh, they're from the cities. Uh, a, oh, a city okay. that is far away. So yeah, they drove up, and for them, I'm sure it was like, ooh, we're out in the country, that's super creepy, and then, like, what do you mean? They didn't comment on it much, so I don't know if they believed it or not. But it was fun. And then Kevin Bacon got stabbed through the neck with an arrow. (laughs) (laughs) Great scene, by the way. Man. Oh my gosh. So yeah, I really haven't been doing too much nerdy things. Bob, have you been doing anything other than terrifying 10-year-old? Actually, my... Entire time has been taken up uh, reading Dragonlance. If I'm not reading the books, uh, I'm I'm now reading these comic books. So once again, I'm going to stump for come on over to our Facebook page if you're into those Dragonlance comics. Uh, Short lived, 34 issues only. We had talked way back on our kind of first episode, our first episode actually uh, about Dragonlance, about the kind of the history of TSR, yeah. and and these comic books kind of came out, would have come out right after the, the Legends here would have come out, um, and this was during the kind of time of super rapid expansion for TSR, yes. where they actually bit off way more than they mm. could chew. You know, they were looking at movie rights and and making uh, television shows and, and comic books and novels, and they're spinning it out as much as they possibly could, and it ended up biting them in the butt, and eventually TSR will go 
bankrupt. But they were short-lived uh, with DC Comics. They spun out, um, you know, Dragonlance, Forgotten Realms, uh, Spelljammers, if anybody's a Spelljammers fan. Uh, a bunch of... <laughs> an advanced Dungeons & Dragons comic book. Okay. Um, Spelljammers! Spelljammers! Um, so, all, all fairly cool stuff, but... Um, these comic books, I guess once you start reading them, a lot of them are awesome, a lot of them uh, not so much. A lot of perplexing stuff going on here, where they're not finding a main character. Like, the first four issues are about this girl named Riva. She's really awesome, and then they leave her for a bunch of episodes, <laughs> okay. and you're kind of like, why did you leave her? And then they come back, and uh, but a lot of them are really cool, so join us over there, see some reviews, break out those old comic books, read them, but we've gotten some feedback on that, uh, uh, on the comics, and... Uh, and also on our last podcast uh, about uh, War of the Twins. So I'm going to go to there, actually. Okay. Uh, with on Facebook, Sean, <laughs> commenting on our ad, says, Hey, is that a griffin? Uh, <laughs> the answer? Yes. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah, I mean, like, Which, what a great question, Sean. Because on, the, on the surface, very obvious. Uh, when I read that comment, I hadn't finished the book yet. Yeah, I'm like I did. Uh, me as well. I have not finished it yet. What? Yeah, of course it's a Griffin. But now that we've gotten through the book, right? Um, and I had read this book once before, and granted, forgot if there was ever a Griffin mentioned because it's mentioned once. Yeah, maybe. But no, what? There one mention. The one mention time. of a Griffin. But I'm checking the Nexus. The the <laughs> mo the modern comic or modern novel cover, which I guess we're. It's a cool painting, but I guess we're slightly having issues with Claw. But brought up, you brought up the last time. It's got the Kender right on the yeah. front. Tass yeah. is on the front. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So there's we, we no all, mystery. We all know he's alive because of that. Because of that. And then they oddly put a Griffin on the front by. I'm assuming this is supposed to be Pax Tharkis on the cover. Mm -hmm. It must be. When really they don't. And usually, whatever's on the cover plays a huge part in the book. It and, should anyway. I mean, but if you look at the, like the original cover, it wasn't it just it was just like. Well, no, no, because it no that made sense too. That it was just Caramon with his hand on Chrysania's yeah. shoulder. Yeah, yeah, because mm -hmm. really they do play such a yes. prominent role in all of this. But and yeah, that, that, there's a little bit of a, hmm, a thing. But odd, we'll, get, we'll get to that. Right, odd choices maybe, but I won't say it's by the artist because usually the artist sometimes has a lot of direction from the company. So yeah, I think there's yeah, a yeah, yeah. for some reason Wizards maybe said, "Hey, put a Griffin." Hey, Griffins are Griffins are cool. cool. Yeah. <laughs> Griffins are cool. They're like bow ties. Would they have printed this? Give her, give her, give her a Griffin. Would they? Would Griffins. they have pr printed this when Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban was give coming out? And they're like, "Hey, put a, <laughs> Harry Potter's got a Griffin. You put that Griffin. Put on that a Griffin on those <laughs> Harry Potter fans. They'll love us here. Yeah, yeah. You got yeah, kids looking at Harry Potter. They're gonna see a Griffin here on the front of this book. They're gonna pick it up. They're gonna yeah, we'll trick up. Can you imagine a Harry Potter fan just all of a sudden picking War of the Twins out of I nowhere? I bet they'd love it. They would love it. But it's in the middle of a second yeah, trilogy. Yeah, they would be really confused. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, but we have other comments here, okay? And, of course, longtime listener, and I'm going to dub him the ghost fifth chair of this podcast, <laughs> Brendan. I've even had to turn to him this week with specific questions about things that we were, were going to be talking about in this episode. Um, but Brendan uh, says, good discussion, gentlemen. Uh, on our last podcast, though I was disappointed that you didn't address my biggest problem with this book. Why are Raislin, Karaman, and Chrysania traveling overland to Zaman? 
It was established in the previous novel that Raceland has access to reliable teleportation magic. So I can't see any plausible in-story reason for why they are traveling overland through bandit country instead of just teleporting immediately to Zaman. Obviously, out of story, it is necessary it's necessary for the party to take the overland route or there is no novel. But the fact that the book's plot is dependent on characters not using their established abilities seems like a huge weakness for the novel. Or am I missing something here? Well, I, I, I think that's an excellent question. I think it's a brilliant well, I, question. Yeah. He, he has trouble teleporting just himself, though. Does he have trouble doing that, uh, though? But, and Chrysania can teleport herself. Wait, Chrysania can she, teleport? Yes. She oh, just prays to Paladin yeah, and she well, zooms out of there. Yeah, Paladin teleport. She can call on Paladin to teleport her. And for oh, everything that okay. we've seen in this novel, Paladin is, she thinks, is on her side and is zooming her all over. And the is super, respons- <laughs> super responsive to her prayer. Super yeah, responsive. Well, he's, While I'd be responsive one, to yeah, her too. To be fair, she's the only <laughs> one in, she's the only one in <laughs> yeah. our entire universe here that's praying to her. Everybody else hates yes, Paladin so, and, he, yes. and it's just like, ooh. I'll pray to you. Okay. She's, sure. she's got the direct line. Want. But yeah. great question. What do you think of this question? So why don't they just... And so we had kind of a conversation off air really briefly about it as well. Because I had to remember, okay, so Zaman, is there anybody even in Zaman? And to my reading of this, Zaman is deserted. Granted, there's evil there or, you know, there's yeah. dark powers and, and things going on. But in terms of why wouldn't he just take Pax Tharkis, hold that position... And then only him and Chrysania bamf over to, to Zaman and be alone to well, I, open the portal. Why does he need an army there? I, I think that he doesn't know what is there. He knows there's some evil thing because Fist and Andalus was there before, all right. that stuff. That's why he knows the, the layout of the entire place. But he also knows that something terrible has happened there. You know, that the Dark Wizards right. left because of all the things that they created. He doesn't know what's left. So maybe... He's using the army as he wants. He wants shields. somebody to have his back in case something is still there. Well, and also at the end when it talks about them going there, it talked about how he was at the back of the army. So in that, yes. in my mind, just he's kind of hiding the yeah. like meat shields. Yeah, that's, it's just that, that's, all right. You guys go die. That's maybe. where a wizard sits. It is because they're glass the cannons. But in the earlier thing, they talked about how death was leading the army, mm-hmm. and then now death is following the army. Okay. So I, that, that's what I remembered, and that's what mm-hmm. popped into my head. And I, you know, and I, I, mean, I, I think I, I'm definitely on board with what you're saying, but yeah, and it is, I think he himself can like, you know, kind of bamf around his tower real quick or whatever, get go short distances himself just fine these days. Right. But I think him taking, like, Chrisania could pray and get there, but to like go in with sufficient backup, I think would like take him out. Right. You that's know, true. sort of like... How when he time traveled back to the tower, right, and he was just like dead. Well, and do we ever see him go? Uh, yeah, and that uh, and that is one of the things as well. And that, that would be that would be terrible. You know, you you bamf in there. It's it's a terrible place to be. There's enemies, and like, oh, I can't move. Like, yeah, because <laughs> he is always at the edge. Yeah, you know, just pushing. Yeah, living on the and edge. <laughs> again, correct me if I'm wrong here, but you can't help but yourself. But. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yes, yes club. <laughs> we've se- we've seen him move over time and space. But in order to do this spell, he also has to conserve his energy. Right. right. So therefore he yeah. can't he can't yeah. do the spell to move over this large space of land because then 
because then he's going to show up weak. He's going to have to recover there, regardless of what's there in the middle of dwarven territory. I, I like and your idea. Can he yeah. only? And but you know that's much different from going from the first floor to the fourth floor in the same magical building. Oh, yeah. yeah, don't you, they? You, you just dimension door real quick. Yeah, I, but this is actual teleportation. Don't yes. they talk about that? For some reason, you you mentioning that brought it back. Where he, it he did talk about something where we could do that, but then I would have to rest for an extended mm. period of time, Correct. and so oh, and. Right. For, I don't know if it was specifically about transporting directly to the portal or if it was something else. But yeah, that. But I, I would say I would back. say I would think that's the answer. Yeah, the answer to actually use the full teleportation magic over that much distance. He shows up. He's got to sleep for four days. We're already outside the timeline. What do you even yeah, if, even right. if I can just apply D and D three point five to this? When we like, okay, so he does. It doesn't have to be somewhere he's been. So he might have been there before. Fist and Dantalus was, right. I think. Well, and he also has the knowledge of what happened to Fist yeah. and Dantalus. He does, um, but he, I guess, you know, he could probably get close to there, right? So because I mean, you can't just like I want to think about the portal and like because what if you land off target? Okay, you're you land die. inside yeah, what if, of what if, something. What if, what if you make a bad roll and land yeah. inside of something, or make a bl- bad roll, and all of a sudden now you're just absolutely wiped? Right. Your, I, guess, I guess I'm not sure. You're, you're still four miles from your target. That brings up a good point. So how does teleportation or teleportation work in this universe? Does, I, guess, so, I, I guess I don't know how it worked in uh, AD and D. Right. In, in three point five, the the spell that like the, the first teleportation spell. It's a roll, like right. a, a percentile die, like out of a hundred. Right. And it's depending on how well you know the location is a factor, whether uh, you've been there is a factor. Um, I think yeah, whether you've been yeah. there, how well you know. Uh, it. I was going to well, say so that right there, I think is your answer. Yeah. I, I think because they have been dependent, especially back in Chronicles, on Maybe. actual Dungeons and Dragons rules. In their minds, and being very seasoned players, they're probably saying, hey, he doesn't know this location, yeah. he doesn't know it well enough to, to teleport there, so he's not going to. And, and I like, also like your meat shield idea. I, yeah. I think you can kind of pick whatever one you want it to be and make it work just fine. That, that's true, and I like that yeah. you know, we also have technology that all of a sudden popped in, and I think, Luke, are you looking it <laughs> yep. up right now? I, I will <laughs> say, uh, the, the disappearance of a character to somewhere random, I think, Klob, you, you had that experience due to Luke's character's bad role once, didn't you? Uh, yes, <laughs> actually. You <laughs> randomly ended up in the woods somewhere, Yes, we were, we were playing, we were playing uh, 3.5, and Luke was was supposed to teleport me to a different location. I was teleporting everybody back to a town. He was teleporting everybody back one by one, back to town <laughs> one by one. Only I missed town by a couple miles because of Luke's roll and ended up just like free, just bamfed into a tree and falling in falling down a tree in the woods. <laughs> I thought it was hilarious. You handle yourself just fine. I mean, well, I, mean, I, I bam- that's because I, I play fighters who can bounce. I bamfed away and left you there to walk back. And that was we, that was uh, in three point five. Like my my failure chance was three percent. Mm-hmm. Wow. Nine, like, yeah, up to 90, 97 and below is fine. But if ninety eight, ninety nine, one hundred. Those are the failures. Wow. Um, yeah, so do you have our answer? I do. Uh, teleportation is a level five spell, which is the higher level spells in AD and D. Um, we got here. It's a it's a range or the range on it is touch. Um, uses verbal components. Mm. Uh, there's no saving throw. <laughs> um, at any rate, uh, distance is not a factor for teleport in AD and D, but interplane travel is not possible by any means of the teleport spell. So, oh, teleports Mac. Teleport 
the spellcaster is able to teleport a maximum weight of 2,500 gold piece. Gold pieces equivalent as an additional 1,500 gold piece weight for each level of experience above the 10th. AD&D sounds really confusing. Oh, yeah, and the casting time is two segments. Um, yeah, I'm, so, I'm sorry, I just kind of... Every time, yeah. I, every, time, every time I think I have this down and I start reading it, I, like, stumble upon something. Mm. But it does have a similar um, effect that okay. 3.5 does. The, okay. the destination area is very familiar, studied carefully, seen casually, viewed once, never seen. And so you get breakdowns based on... Um, whether well, it can be on, t- what is it? Probability of teleporting is high, on target, or low. Oh, so you, it could just fail. That's what I'm So, so our, what, what we're kind of saying oh. is uh, that we're thinking. Oh, God. That what we thought was true. <laughs> um, teleporting high means the magic user will arrive one inch above ground for every 1% he or she is below the lowest on target probability. Only two inches when the destination is very. Okay, so, so when it says destination area is high, you could appear. Too high, and I'm assuming too low means you're showing up underground. Okay. Huh. Um, so any, any, anyway, and, and, anyway, and it's, going, and it's yeah. going to cost a lot. It's going to cost your character a lot, and there's going to be recovery yes. time, and there's going to be everything else. So I, so I, I think, think that kind of gi- I think that yeah. kind of gives us our answer for that. Yeah. So I think yeah, I think our answer to any low result <laughs> means the instant death of the magic user. <laughs> okay. Well, there's that too. There's that. Uh, so if you're a Dungeons and Dragons player, this is very. Uh, Fantastic for you to hear. Specifically, um, you know, a D and D or whatever that yeah, was called. Yeah, a D yeah, yeah. Hey, while uh, while Luke is still mulling over uh, Luke, what is Luke, a fantastic we, entry, he's now just buried on his computer. Come back um, to us. No. Come back to us, but, Luke. Come back. I'm reading spells. Leave me alone. But okay, <laughs> so I got to do a show. One one question that I want to throw out on Tavern Talk. It came up uh, during uh, a podcast which we already referenced. Married with comics. Uh, okay, um, and shout out, shout out, John, who is uh, John and Maggie, who who are over there, um, and really funny, surprisingly enough, married with comics, and yeah, they're married <laughs> and they read comics, amazing, weird, huh. John, you lucky devil, you. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, John uh, and Maggie were having this discussion. Their new episode is really, really great. Uh, they re- they are reviewing a really old. Uh, Spider-Man comic, uh, which I really love old Spider-Man. And actually, thank you. The timing on your release was perfect. I had to drive an hour one way a couple of times here. <laughs> so, it, man, I that the timing was perfect. And I was mowing my lawn. So <laughs> thank you, thank you, John and Maggie, for entertaining me during the mm-hmm. lawn mowing. Uh, yes, it's a big lawn. Um, so what, what <laughs> a, uh, so I, just anyway, in this episode we're about to talk about, their latest one that came out where they feature our promo. Yes. Um... A little bit of uh, technical difficulties, and I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with calling them courageous for releasing something uh, with technical difficulties. Yeah, like yeah, that's that, actually that really great. great. Just yeah, props. You got you have props, props from me because right. I think we have re-recorded. We've re-recorded episodes. Um, yeah. At least an hour and a half worth of content before, yeah. because because the fact that we were coming we during were uh, always golden. check always check which microphone you're recording through. Yeah, yeah. it oh. was recording through the the internal mic on my laptop that was on the floor, and it sounded like that a was during of one butt. of the, one of the Pierce Brown ones, yeah. right? Yes. Which, by the way, then coming through a second time, trying to act like you've never heard what the other person's going to uh, say yeah. uh, is 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 not. Any and trying to re- and just trying to remember what you've said. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. I, I remember I said something in this chapter, and it was. Kind of clever. What was it? <laughs> what was it? But anyway, uh, John and Maggie. During part of it, uh, there is the wand of Watum. That wand is, of her womb. 
What the, I'm just kidding. I, one, of, I, I was one of what two? Like the guy of, off the prequels? The one of the two. Which, by the What's way, with you in the prequels. <laughs> he I loves them. I don't know. <laughs> I don't so say. from you. I'm so sorry. Hey, Watto. Watto. Um. Okay. So anyway, the wand of Watoom uh, in this episode. A thermal detonator. <laughs> Why do these take I'm so long? Sorry. Why do our episodes take long? I don't know. I, I, we don't ever get off topic. That's how long it took for that like that, that scene to like you saying that it, to get to my brain my brain to remember like oh that's what that yeah. is yeah okay. yeah it's a little easter egg in there to spider-man annual too okay so anyway the wand of Watum, they were having an argument or not really an argument but a discussion, a discussion. over the size of the wand of Watum, which in this uh, episode yes, the wand of MacGuffins, which ends up <laughs> Shrinking down to the size of, uh, I think it's Doctor Strange's hand. Yes. Uh, something like that. And I think it was Maggie said that this is no longer a wand. Right? Like it's more like... More of a, yeah. More, like, more, like more, a, more of a rattle. A rattle or an amulet or a whatever. And I think John... John uh, sided on the on the side that no, it is still a wand. So I wanted to bring forth the question: Is it the size of the wand, or is it the motion of the somatic components? <laughs> <laughs> That's the real question. Hey, you know, hey, this is when true. it's cold, everything shrinks down a little. So uh, I guess I I was laughing while mowing and going. This is a perfect question for our roundtable. So. When does a wand cease to be a wand? What is the size? Because I was with Maggie on this. If it's fitting in in the palm of your hand, this is no longer a wand. You know, like if like if I went to Universal Studios or wherever, oh, the, and you bought a wand, and I bought a wand, <laughs> and they put this tiny thing into my hand, I'd be like, well, you know, then maybe I'll put it in a Lego person. To a Lego person, mm. this is a wand, not a wand to me. What is this? A wand for ants? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, but but again, when the, does it the, cease to be a wand? The the wicked toothpick of Watoom does not have the same <laughs> ring to it. Yeah, yeah that, that's not going to do it. But you could hide uh, it so well. <laughs> you could lose it so well as well. Um, so Maggie, I'm with you. Uh, the wand of Watoom is no longer a wand. I want to say it's got to be at least twice the size of your clenched or twice the length of your clenched fist. <laughs> So, like, you're saying if your fist is wrapped around it, and you there should be something sticking out of the yeah, top, Yeah, if, at least. Yeah, so, because otherwise, I don't know. Like, otherwise, he's lying to you. <laughs> <laughs> it isn't a wand. Again, <laughs> it's the motion of a... Just <laughs> easing down the pants of R. I just like how I look over, and Klob is just face palm. Literally face palm. Just, folks, folks... Uncle Club, sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm trying to keep you've, these you've had a long weirdos in check. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> so where are we at on this? I, I think I'm. Where Luke, you're saying not not a wand. What two not wand, a wand. And not in in a in a hand? Not well, a wand. Paul. Well, well, I mean, if it changes sizes. Right, and which I think fine. is actually, I think the wand of Watum is actually changing sizes. That's fine. So whatever. and I do want to point out that the wands of Watum are there's six of nearly. Them, right? Are, are nearly omniscient and nearly omnipotent, so they can call themselves whatever the hell they want. <laughs> so they're a one. Okay, there you go. Okay. By, by the way, one, I think, appears in Doctor Strange. There's uh, the movie? The, yeah, the movie, oh, okay. and the movie version of Wanda with Tomb shows up. Y- y- like yes, a, it like is. a brief, like, little... It's, oh, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, an yeah. Easter egg. What's his name has it for, like, a yeah, hot yeah, second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Paul, yeah. you're the one. Where, where are you at on this? I'm gonna have to say that it's not a wand anymore. It becomes <laughs> something else. It becomes... I'm going to have to read. The Wicked Toothpick. The Wicked Toothpick. The I don't know. It still has magical properties, but... 
It's not really there. I want to say if it's just too short and squat to be called a wand, it's now a chwand. Oh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> was this your Get entire build-up? Get out. Was, that was, was this your build-up for this entire thought, thing? You thought of that word when you were listening, and you reverse-engineered all of this. I have been saving chwand forever. Clob, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, where are you at on this? Uh, um, this, this? This happens to be a short sword. And another short sword. And I'm going to go in this corner and commit ritual suicide. <laughs> <laughs> well, Bob, I think you're buying the next round. Yeah, I yeah. think so. Yeah. After, After a comment one. like that, yeah. I'm buying. All right, double rounds for everybody. Hey. Ooh, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a DeLorean, isn't it? Scales are always in my face. <laughs> I might have driven a DeLorean here. I pull up a chair, friend. <laughs> so, yeah, um... Army of Fist and Dantalus. Army of hey. Fist and Dantalus. Um, yeah, we're going to Z- Zaman. Zamalama Ding Dong. Yeah, sure. <laughs> but first we have to Zaman, go. we got to go to Pax Tharkis yeah, first. Yeah, Pax Tharkis Pax first. Pax Tharkis first. Zaman right, right, comes right. later. We already kind of discussed that. But thanks to the fifth chair. I do like We that. did. It feels like we discussed this. But yeah, we open with the Army of Fist and Dantalus. And a quick jump forward in time. Word has spread. We get again kind of this... Opening chapter that's not a chapter, yep. right? This is yep. a prologue piece that that says uh, the army of Fist and Dantalus, word has spread. It's aggregating as Caramon and crew march to Thor Barden. Ooh, nice, um, nice alliteration. Yeah. Caramon and crew. Caramon finds himself the general of this army, and women and children and everybody come along. It is an exodus. Okay, so question right off the bat. Yes. Not saying that we don't know the answer. But just first talking point, yeah, hey, what well, is gathering this army of Fist and Dantalus and what are they trying to accomplish? Hope. Why are women, children, and everybody marching on Pax Tharkis? Because we want to get to Thorbarden because there's cash in Thorbarden. <laughs> cash and food. It's all about the money. It Grandpa is. needs the money. It is. It's all, it is all about the money here. We have this entire crew. You always do when you have these roving armies like this in this time period. You do have the support structure that goes with the armies. Oh, huge. Your women, your children, they're going through your supplies. Club, this isn't real. <laughs> yeah, but they're trying just, to bring just, in just, something. Just when you reality. said this time period, I'm sorry. Well, okay, going, but the, I, I do feel no, like no, that's. No, I know, I know exactly hey, what Hey, you everybody meant. listening right now, just take a deep breath. <laughs> this isn't real. Get out of town! Uh, okay. Uh, okay. This is it. I'm going. Okay. This is um, the end. Now that we've all been reminded that this is fiction, okay. <laughs> but. In true form to, you know, whether it's Napoleon marching across, whether it was... I'm going to be referencing Napoleon. Whether it was Alexander, whether you... The army needs that support crew to go on. You're not going to take a bunch of dudes and march them this far along in this time period and not bring a little entertainment... Oh, well, that's with what the women are for. Um, that support yes. staff structure, your cooks. An army crawls on its stomach. Correct. Yes. Napoleon. Which actually may or may not be Napoleon. Nobody really knows where that came from. But whatever. We'll say it's Napoleon. Whatever. Whatever. Hey, but, it's a good saying. Who but anyway, I'm just saying we are creating this huge army of Fist and Dantalus, right? And isn't it like we're thinking uh, the yes. plainsmen have been cheated in some way, right? By the dwarves, we're thinking. Oh, they feel they've been cheated. The humans feel they've been cheated by the dwarves. The hill dwarves feel, feel that they've been cheated by the mountain dwarves because they feel that they should have some... Since the hill dwarves originally came right. from Thorbard, Right. They feel that 
some of the money in Thorbarden should be theirs by legacy. Right. So what I want to establish off the bat here is because as we go through, um, I'm going to just be questioning sometimes mm -hmm. we are creating a giant army. We are going to create a massive slaughter. Uh, and just w so why is that happening? Karaman is our hero. He is leading this thing. Why does he think this is right, right? Which I know it's going to be because he thinks he's bringing Raislin and Chrysania to end all evil, right? Like he buys into that Raislin is going to destroy Tachesis, right? Am I am I reading that correctly? You know, I mean, uh, you know, he, al he also wants to go home to his wife. Right. And you yeah, know, it's so here's what I'm saying. Here's he what's about Raislin. So I'm going to keep asking this question. My worry sometimes about our heroes, right? Raislin's no longer a hero. Um, He's my hero. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Chrysania uh, misled. Um, but all we have is Karamon. I mean, barring Tass and stuff, who we all love. Yeah. But Karamon is our last remaining hero who have we, we have watched, you know, kick alcoholism <laughs> and yeah. uh, now is rising on his arc. But now for me here, a lot of the motivations start to get muddy, which maybe is intentional. And even Karamon admits throughout this march towards Pax, Thars Pax Tharsis and through Pax Tharsis mm -hmm. that he, he even understands that his intentions are muddy here. Right, because he just wants to get home, and we'll even get to that at the end with Raceland and trying to bring Raceland home. He just wants to get home to Tika so he can lay in his trailer in the trees. No, he, he he's actually admitted that he's going to rebuild, he's going to actually finish building He's going to finish yeah. building he's the gonna, house. He's going to build that. Right. House for Tika. Right. I'm I'm hoping at least that part of the motivation is that he believes that his brother Raceland is going to end all evil. But I'm not I'm not a hundred percent sure that that is true. But I'm just saying, I know this isn't real. But we are mm. dealing with the death here now in a giant battle of thousands. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so is our hero a hero anymore? That's war. Exact. Well, I know. But is this war justified? But even is this we've been cheated out of money? Even thing. from his perspective, though, you know, it's, they're back in time, these people are dead. To him. Yeah. And he is, in a lot of ways, just redoing history. Well, Right? So it's like, you've been sent back in time, all of a sudden you're Alexander the Great, you just go through the yeah. motions that, of you're, being you're Alexander the Great. You're damage well, and it, not being him. And right. we, we looked at the original, the original uh, writings about this time period from Astinus. Right. Um, where it talks about Fist and Dantilus, uh, Delmar, Delmar? Del Dalamar. Dalamar. Yeah. Dalamar and General Flagius, or whatever his name is. <laughs> Captain Flagia, yeah. Well, no, it's. And Just so Caramon has taken over, Caramon has taken over the, the Flagius part, and I know it's, I can't remember his name, but has taken over the General's part. Uh, yeah. The cleric part has been replaced with Chrysanthia. Right, chrysanthemum, chrysania. This is why. Right. This is why so, people accuse us of not reading the book. Now, now, now we're. I have on. Wikipedia open right now. But, that, but that's the thing is we have changed history at this point. So, is this a better march than the original march? Well, mm. they've changed history, but aren't they just following it? Could that be his way of? coping with the fact that he is doing some terrible things. He will be sending a bunch of people to their right. deaths. Is in his mind he goes, it's already happened. I am just filling a role that somebody had to fill and that right. this was foretold. I can't and, change history. I was just a pebble. And I guess and I guess the question here too is 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 this a more 
humane army or is this a better way f- that this army is being treated right now right. than it was in the original timeline? Right. Well, see, and I'm just, and I'm still just worried about what are the overall reasons why this battle is happening in the first place. I, unless I missed something, why are we attacking Pax Tharkis? Why are we creating this giant army besides old grudges? And who's got whose money? Mm-hmm. You know, this seems to be. Um, this seems like I'm on the west bank of Palestine, and we're starting uh, kind of a ridiculous fight between Israel and the Jordanians. You know, like I'm be- like so so so. I feel like th- there's not a, a, a good morality that's mm-hmm. going on, and that's probably the intention is that there's not a good morality going on here as to why this battle is even happening in the first place. Raceland's obviously trying to have it happen mm-hmm. because of his ends. Yeah, I mean, but he, how he are... Could, he could give a heck. How are thousands of people getting convinced to join this army? Besides the fact that they're downtrodden, they're beaten. No, I, it's, I think that's enough. It's after the cataclysm. Yeah. People, it's a lawless time. Maybe that's enough. I think yeah, so. Yeah, it's, right. it's security. It's food security. If you're a soldier, right. they, they want to feed you. It's a simple job Mm -hmm. where you already know what you're doing, but you're just part of the cog where if you don't get the rabbit or whatever for that night, you're not going to die because somebody else killed it, and And you'll be able to eat from that. So it's security. I I think that's a really good reason, and I I just think that a lot of this stuff tends to sometimes be assumed in the narrative. You know what I'm saying? Like, as we've talked it out... That's fantastic. Like, okay, I get it. It's a lawless time after the cataclysm. People want security, like you said. Well, that's just, that's just like, well, I guess, well, human, I'm going to put that in quotes. Yeah, it's just human. Right. Elves and dwarves and all that. Uh, that's just, our, our we're social creatures. You know, right. we've survived this long and become what we are because we stick together and we right. help each right. other. And that's that's actually one of, the, one of the things that's brought up in a lot of the critiques of this book. Mm-hmm. For both the people who like it and don't like it is... We have we go through the races of dwarves, and if you've read dwarven, if you've read dwarven depths, yeah. that really that really fleshes out. Yes, the one person at the table who's read it. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> we'll eventually get to will, that. that yeah, that really fle- That's actually where we find the tomb of Karis. Uh, but oh. uh, spoiler. <laughs> well, that's Wait. where we got the hammer. Yeah. What, Karis dies? There's a hammer? Wait, what? there's a hammer of Karis? What is this? I've never heard of this. Yeah. Club, <laughs> club, club, go well, on. I don't, hammer, I don't think I read this. What is this? <laughs> you can slap Bob and can, I'll slap can I, Paul. Can I make my point? <laughs> yes, go make your point. We're getting muddy. Um, but that's one of the critiques that is of this by both people who that I've read online for critiques mm-hmm. by both people who like it and don't like it is in this book, we needed Dwarven Depths later on because yes. in this book, your races and especially your dwarf races are very, very uh, cookie cutter. Mm-hmm. And yes. they're, very, they're very, very, all of the, all of the dwarves are this way. Yes. All of the uh Guys under the king are this way. Yeah. All of the, the gully doer dwarves, are this guy. Yeah, with the hill dwarves are this. Mountain dwarves are this. Yes. Doer are this. Doer. Yes, yes. yes. And we don't really get an individual personality other than well, that's your race, right? Yeah, I agree. True. I in, in that. To, I mean, like especially with dwarves in this sense, you know, they are all kind of like contained together underground, generally. Yeah. Um, right. but all of this, yes, I. I think all this does explain why the people are doing it. I agree. I do have yeah, a little bit of a problem why Caravan is doing it. Uh, yes. And because Caramon, I feel and that, and that's has a pretty strong center of morality. He I've does. always felt he fell not off the, with his the, alcoholism, but I feel like he's always had this really strong moral center. Mm-hmm. So much so that I kind of 
don't feel like he would take on the mantle of commander of an army of thousands where the goal and the reason you're doing this seems so... And he's not the brightest ball. But so no, he, which may be why he's doing this. Safe. It's, yeah. It, it's all, it also well, is he keeping them safe? From what? Not incursions by the dwarves. The dwarves aren't leaving Paxarchus to raid the... Yeah, you're right. The, he, he would be more one to like, hey, let's settle up camp and just... Yeah, why are we attacking a people who are insular? Yeah, maybe they're holding your money or whatever this contrivance is, but why why am I leading thousands to die? I think well remember but, but I do believe he he does he not know he does know Raceland's plan, but believes just like Chrysania, right? That Raceland will destroy Takesis and end evil. Yes. And does again, he know that yet yes, by the time yes. this army has Okay. And remember, Caramon is a soldier. Yes, he so is this a soldier. Is soldiers, need, so this is what he knows. Soldiers right. need wars to fight, and this is one of the things where after path we're going to go into Pax Sarkis right now. Yeah. But after, first off, we have to get through Pax Sarkis to get to Thorbottom and to get to yeah. Zaman, 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 something different. Zaman, for the love of God, it's Zaman. It's not. <laughs> we do read these. It's I just Zeman. Oh, I, yeah. I said Zeman. Zeman. He said Zeman, but yeah. Zubas. <laughs> so so Caramon's wearing Caramon's wearing Zubas. Uh, <laughs> no, stop. Which I believe Margaret Weiss would have put him in if um, she could. But, but hey, no. What I'm saying here is, after we get through Pax Starkus, right? It got super boring for me for a while. And the thing that saved me was we get into Caramon's muddy head as yeah. they're moving yes. from Pax Sarkis, and Caramon starts to make answer though try he doesn't actually answer those questions but he tries to start to figure out some of those questions that you're bringing up right well, right right and which we, we're going to get to yeah we were talking about why they needed this army I think it was because they there was no way they could get to Zaman without this army because they had to take Pax Pax Tharkis. Correct. I'm going to mess up on these names right but it's. It's where, because if they tried to go there, even with the small band or themselves, right. the dwarves would have killed them immediately. Right. But this is, this is what I'm saying. I'm muddy on this, so you got to help me out on this one. Because okay. after, even after reading it, so the idea is, because I get it from Raceland's point of view, right? Yep. And what we know the end game is, he needs the army, like you said, Pax Tharkis to Zaman, right? Yep. He needs that. But I'm saying, how did he convince the thousands of this? You know what I'm saying? I don't think he had to convince them. I think it was just it like was when they're all marching overland to to Zaman. Even why are they thinking they're doing that besides just following their leader? Because money, it's money, and it's such well, a okay, desperate suppose, yeah. it's such yeah. a desperate time exactly. that they have right. to. They otherwise they would just die. Right. It's one of those where either I can die fighting or I'm just going to slowly starve to death. Or we can establish this culture within this army, which we're basically this mobile metropolitan. Yeah, right. Moving along, and like you said, Bob, people are eating. Right. People are being able to work together. They're working towards a goal. And sometimes, right, wrong, or indifferent, when you have such a destitute population, a goal is a goal. Think With, of think of think of uh, Alexander coming across the Alps. Right. A goal is a goal that will help you survive. I, and I actually think now that you're talking, this may go some way to answering Brendan's question. Mm, so yep. why does he take yep. the army with him? It's because he's 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 finalizing a promise he's made to them. He needed the army for Pax Tharkis, maybe doesn't need them for Zaman. Well, I, I, but hey, you're coming with me because I've promised you what's in Zaman. 
Well, no, because they... Caramon or Raceland. Raceland, I'm sorry. Raceland. Okay, because, yeah, Raceland encouraged them before Caramon wanted to yes, go. Caramon right. wanted to just hang yeah. out. No, so. I'm, I'm talking Raceland. Okay, right? okay. Yeah, because yeah. the question was, why didn't Raceland just bamf? Well, he also has promised this army, hey, you're coming with me to Zaman, you know, because we're going to loot and pillage it. Yeah. Right? In some and, ways. Well, it, and Zaman is the stop off to Thorbard. Because they're right. going to... Th- the, the ideal plan here is we're going to raid and we are going to go into... Uh, dwarf, uh, the dwarf apocalypse here. <laughs> dwarf casino. Yes. And we're gonna take all their chips. <laughs> I'm gonna need twelve dwarfs. <laughs> You're trying to knock over a casino. Ocean's um, thirteen dwarf style. Uh, um, but anyway, oof. hey, let's. Hey, that was uh, Army of Fist and Dantalus. How about chapter one, boys? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, we've jumped all over. We have oh, jumped all yeah, over. No, we, we have we have covered a lot of ground. Yeah. So, um, mountain dwarf versus hill dwarf. Fight. Huh. <laughs> and I do like the descriptions that Weiss and Hickman give us here of yeah. the differences, just the physical differences between the beards of the mountain dwarves and the beards of the uh, of the right. hill dwarves. The different ways that they caress their beards because yeah. that's a big dwarf thing. Is you're always petting your beard. <laughs> And even the women. It's true. It's true. It's true. Even the women. But we get these little, we get a bunch of little subtle things in here about because you're a mountain dwarf, you, you know, use the full hand. Because you're a hill dwarf, you have to comb brambles out of it. So you use like your fingers when you're thinking and go. And I really like that. I'm more of a hill dwarf. I use my fingers to comb brambles. Yeah. Well, but I'm, I did, well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. I did. Yeah, there's this download on Dwarvish history. Um, it's uh, it's awkward for me because we start with this Dwarvish stuff, and it's cool. And at the same time, dwarves have never seemed to be um, such a, a huge part. I, I don't know how to say this um, because we've had Flint the whole time, mm-hmm. right? But as far as, like, being so enmeshed with the dwarves, it hasn't happened since the middle of Chronicles. You know, some kind of like, oh, wow, wow. Now, all of a sudden, in the middle of all this stuff with Raceland, I'm being thrown into Dwarvish world. It's kind of a nice change of pace. Yeah. And even though it was written as, mm-hmm. it was written after this book was written, right. and it was written as a insert into the Chronicles series, right. Dwarven Depths, I will tell you, Dwarven Depths does make all this stuff make a heck of a lot more I was, sense. And I was going to say, I think a lot of people who listen who are super huge Dragonlance fans have read all of this mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. And like what I'm hearing from you, Club, once you've read that book, all of this seems to make I, a whole I, lot I, more sense. I, yeah, I think I would, I would enjoy Dwarven Depths, just right. because, you know, that's... It focuses you on dwarves. On dwarves. And I I do like the idea of dwarven culture. Yep. Uh, I do like that. Um, I don't know. It's, you know, it's, I don't know. You didn't like the, you you didn't like the many scenes of the, uh, the dwarven Senate. Duncan. Yeah. You didn't like all the Duncan stuff? Not really. Okay. I, I didn't. This is a super minutial part. Okay. Yes. Okay. For some reason, the name Duncan didn't sit well with me. All of the other names of dwarves worked. And oh yeah, I guess yeah. Duncan and maybe sound because dwarfish. Duncan, I mean, obviously, and 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 even Hickman will say in the annotations that he he's always, which I think all of us do, see dwarves as very Celtic or or yeah, Scottish, yeah, yeah. right? Which we do. So Duncan, like I, Duncan MacLeod of the Clan MacLeod, would seem very Scottish for some reason. Duncan, maybe because of Highlander, 
pops off the page as not feeling as dwarvish as everybody else. Karis, and you know, I Reorg. feel... Reorks. Like, I feel like the naming structure that, yeah. that they've been very careful to try to foul, follow doesn't work with Duncan. Well, that Duncan pops off the, uh, the page as, as being too 1800 Scotland. And see, I will grab something about you with that. Yeah. Is, <clears throat> or, and I will argue with you a little bit about that, yeah. because you have to remember that Duncan is from kind of the higher-end dwarves. Okay. Hence, that's why I took. So the he's supposed to be like, uh, yeah, aristocracy. He's a- and so I think that's why I was I was okay with him having maybe a more Anglo name. He's aristocratic. Yeah, it's it, yeah. it's a more aristocratic name than you know, um, what is what is Flint's grandfather's name? His first name, mm. Rechlich or whatever it is. A rock. <laughs> a rock. Yeah, you know, yeah. a rock. Or we get into we get into all of these, and I I, I feel those are supposed to, that's supposed to feel more guttural. And yeah. not well. That's what I'm and saying, not roi- and not royal like. Right. I, I do feel like all names that we have come up with with dwarves so far have felt that very hard, brittle sound of the hill folk. Yeah. Right. And so I actually really like your interpretation that he's aristocratic. So his name is Duncan. It's something that maybe you could walk into a human Duncan. city, do business with. Well, and we do have this know? whole we do have this whole scene in the book here too, um, where. We have the conversations between the conversation between him and Karis, and they yeah. describe you know his old family home that he's living in, which <laughs> isn't spectacular because that's a dwarf that's a dwarven thing is you don't have all the glitter and stuff in your house. He's supposed to be closer to his people, but but everything is so well made, and it's this old. I took the old aristocratic house. Yeah, I, I I I agree in in the cave. Yeah, I like I I really like that interpretation of it because it helps me digest Duncan better. And in all honesty, that's not an issue for me. It's just something I'm bringing up, you yeah. know. It's like, hey, that name kind of jumped off the page. No, it did for sure. Yeah, you know what I'm for saying. For sure, yeah. You know, so um, but they discuss the Dewar Elves, right? So, like you reference, Club, we yes. have this meeting between Karis and and Duncan, and they're having discussions. They discuss the Dewar Elves, who were uh, a bit nuts. Aren't they dwarves? Dar- yeah, so, did I say elves? Yeah. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah. Dewar dwarves. Yes. Regar. Sorry. Regar is his name. Oh. Regar Fireforge, sorry. <laughs> Regar Fire. I don't know why I can, I don't know why I blanked on that. Uh, yeah. yeah, Fireforge, strong family line. But I love this through forced isolation and breeding in inbreeding, they've all become nuts and like super berserkers. Um, mm-hmm. We'll find out yet, later yet that they are still living. Uh, yeah, I mean they're like being kept as prisoners. They're all got diseased. Yes, yes. And yet, yet they're not. They're not the stupid. Garbage dwarves. They're no, not, they're not gully dwarves. They're not, gu- garbage, they're not the garbage, garbage fraggles. fraggles. They're not gully dwarves. They are still dwarves. It's just, oh God, Bob's psycho. <laughs> Bob's, yeah, okay. <laughs> He's a little crazy. And that's why they don't listen to him when they come up with this plan. Right. right. But I think we are supposed to think that they are pretty evil. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I, th- I, think I think it's not until later in the book that they try to kind of turn that page a little bit, and mm-hmm. we, we see the depravity that they've been kept in. But I think we are, and I think I remember some annotations outlining that this is like kind of like in the D and D realm. If you wanted to play an evil, yeah, dwarf, that's that's this usually is who you're playing immediately. Doer. Oh yeah, yeah, immediately. Doer. If you're gonna, when I hear the word doer, I think doer dwarf, anything like that. You're, you're great. You're at the minimum dark. chaotic evil. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's <laughs> right. it's all right. You're gonna be somehow I, evil. It's just because you're familiar with the Draugr. Yeah, I like they, I they talk about this rumors of an army of Salamnia that's, that's right. led by a black mage, which is very cool. Um, and again, we get this hammer of Karis. He, uh, we have. 
Karis, and I like who Karis. has a hammer. I like hammer Karis, Karis here as the voice of reason. Karis is trying to be the voice of reason. He's like, these are technically our own people. Right. Yeah, half, a good third of this army that's okay. coming at us right now are technically our cousins. I would like to make this statement here. Yes. I have come to terms no. with Karis. <laughs> and here is why. Okay. So I would like to underline it. When I was in, when I was in, Chronic, I've come to terms with this. I've okay. come to, I've come to terms with this hammer. And here's why: I'm seeing where I was in error. Okay. So, the hammer of Karis, when I read about it in, in Chronicles, yes. I thought of as an incredibly magical weapon, right? Oh. So much so well. that it could turn the tide of battle, right? Yep. So when I read what happened in Chronicles, I was like. So you're not going to take the hammer and use it against the army that is conquering your continent. Stupid, right? Okay. But now once reading it here, there isn't really much special about this hammer. It's a symbol. It's something Karis is wielding. He uses it in the coming battles to some fairly great... I mean, it's it's a bigger weapon than normal that because Karis is essentially yeah. Karis is essentially like the shack of dwarves yeah. right yeah he's huge <laughs> he's, he's huge he, yeah, yeah. he's <laughs> and so he's the only one who can lift this big hammer. Yes, and the hammer was supposedly it, made by Rior. By right, God Rior. And it does a lot of damage, but where my issue was coming in that last book, you know, in Chronicles was thinking yep. this is a super magical weapon. You were going more Mjolnir, Mjolnir than you were. Yeah, yeah, that if wielded by our heroes would have turned the tide of battle. Now seeing it in Legends, it's way step back for me. I'm going, okay, I don't have a I don't have a hang-up with that whole Karis incident anymore yeah. because it wouldn't have turned the tide of battle. This was just a really big dwarf's hammer. It's, <laughs> you know, it, it, that it, is sacred and awesome to the dwarves, but really isn't super special. Correct. It's, Tom, right. you know, it's, it, it's like Thomas Paine's pistol. Right. So for all of you Dragonlance fans that have just been bemoaning the fact about the hammer of Karis, I've come to terms with it. So, um, <laughs> check out the Dragonlance Nexus, um, the actual weapon in the game. Um, it's an intelligent weapon, it's aligned lawful good, and it can communicate via speech or telepathy with its... Uh, Wait, so it can talk? Yeah. I reject that. Um, <laughs> it, it, it possesses... Well, no, it can't talk, but you can talk to it. Okay. No, it, no, it, 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 it can, it can communicate talk. Oh, yeah, via speech or telepathy. Yeah. Uh, uh, maybe something happens after this powers, uh, Why, Luke, why did you have to start reading this? Now you're the, making it stupid. I, I was reading this while you were talking, <laughs> and I'm like, this just negates everything he's saying. But <laughs> is there, So it can talk, I'm gonna say, it's super powerful. I'm okay, gonna, never mind. I'm going to say that something happens, because Karis doesn't die in, this ba in these battles. No, no. I'm going to say that something happens after this that... Makes mm. it that because in first this book the hammer, it is not it that. Is not first that. called no, the hammer of honor during the age of dreams, the hammer of Karis is an almighty artifact of good. It was forged by Reorks, who then granted the hammer to mortals to forge the dragon lances and to the champion, the cause of the dwarves, the dwarven race. Lost for eons, it was recovered by a dwarven hero, Karis, meaning knight. Okay. Yes. So All right. Shortly Which after the first cataclysm. Yeah. Okay. There we go. And I like, I like... This might just bring back all of my issues. They got, they got <laughs> oh, the hammer that can make the lances that they need. But I want to go back, I want to go back to what I was saying Welcome earlier. back to Team <laughs> Hatred. As we, as we get, as we get to the Battle of Pactharsis here, back Pactharsis. Stop I'm talking, you're screwing me up. Welcome back to... Pactharsis. As we get to the Battle of Pactharsis here... <laughs> 
I like the fact that I like Karis as a character. I like him as as the 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 good knight, right. and he is the I. I will. F- I don't agree with this battle, but you're my king. I'm right. gonna fight with my yeah. king. Right. But I feel shame in having to kill my cousins. So therefore, they show up. He shows up standing on the wall the morning of, and he shaved his beard. Oh, I love. I this. love. I, this. I, I, I love do too. The, and how yeah. all of the dwarves, all of them, were just like, uh, well, we're just not gonna look at you. Duncan is not happy. No, he's <laughs> no with this. All the other dwarves are. Sh- Shine away from him. They they're all there next That's, to him. They'll yeah, all listen, but it's it's a and I shame. have I have never thought in my life of a clean shaven dwarf. No, me either. No, yeah, never. Or, and much what less, a travesty. Much, that much less be. much less <laughs> freshly clean shaven. <laughs> yeah, even even if I when I imagine <laughs> when I imagine a dwarf. All right. uh, uh, what? Why did you do that? <laughs> oh. Boys, 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 boys. I wasn't sorry. thinking. Any- I'm sorry, I flicked him <laughs> uh, right in the ear. Oh, oh okay. Stop beating him up. We need no, him. but no, I'm serious. A, a, a shaven dwarf. That's all. That's god awful. It's it's just weird. Whenever but he's he- tall, so he looked like a shaven man. That's true. But he's still got the dwarf. He's still got a dwarf bone. He's still got a dwarf bone structure. Well, yeah, yeah. So he's kind of stocky. Yeah. And whatnot. And, yeah. I have no idea. Let's go on. I just I picture a very square jaw underneath the like carrot beard. <laughs> Luke, you're you, carrots. You gotta be shorter. Oh no! You gotta be shorter, bud. Oh, I guess. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. By I a mean, little bit. Dwarf, I, I imagine like four feet tall. You're you're, hey, you're but up in there in the six. There's not so. only dwarves here. There's also garbage fraggles. Right? Yes. So always the, have garbage fraggles the, around. The high gug himself is there. Oh, well, the and before gug. this, before this, we have the dwarves who. Leave Pax Tharkis. Yes, and because they're going to go join Caramon's army, mm-hmm. and then they but they leave a little note saying, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna help you out because once the battle starts, we're gonna come in at him from behind." Wait, does what? that happen here? No, that, that doesn't. That, that, no. that does, the the doer. Dear. That whole the, doer thing. Yeah, comes the doer way later. Comes that, no, way that, later. No, was it way later? Yeah, way they, later. They did not come in. And they didn't say that right now. They're still. They want their your, plan your, done. Your 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 notes are omniscient of things to come. Yes. yes yeah. They're for telling so things. <laughs> so are we, since I mean, we, we know what happens. Book, but yeah, yeah. So Fireforge and Duncan face each other for a long time. Fireforge, leader of the Hill Dwarves, right? Yeah, they do. Um, yeah. Well, they yell. They uh, but because they live to, they dare to live in the open and be free. I do kind of like, there's kind of a statement here that never necessarily goes anywhere, but there's this statement of kind of the insular, uh, you know, mountain dwarves and kind of where that mindset will lead you. In, right. two, in, in, in 200 years when we have yeah. Flint wandering around who's never actually been in Thorbar. Right, right. And and then kind of the more open to trade, uh, which I really like. Uh, it, I think it allows this universe to have its cake and eat it too, mm-hmm. where you have, you can have a subset of dwarves that are super insular and kind of traditionally dwarvish. But yet you can also have a world peppered with dwarves so that in every city and every town you can encounter in your D&D quests dwarves because you also have a subset of dwarves that go on all over the place, right? Like it allows you to have kind of two versions of dwarves so that your world is populated by them and you can kind of choose which well, one you want. Well, and isn't this when we, get to the end of, when we get to the end of the book here and um, everything that happens um, with Fisty's I can't believe I called him that. You just yes. called Yes! He yes. has joined the club. <laughs> so we can start. I, I've purposely been not calling him Fisties. We haven't even gotten here. to Fisty yet. I, I know, but 
Yeah, and and he's gone. The face palm. I'm done. He's. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, club. We love you. And welcome back. Hey, <laughs> okay, we have so. this new guy here. He's across from us. His name yeah. is. Uh, but Bob. you are you Blob. are right, Blob. You are right, Clob, about how Fireforge sends a message to the army of Fistenlandalus that the Hill Dwarves will fight. And is that what you're referencing? No, is I'm that not, the I'm Hill Dwarves are going to fight. Jump, I'm jumping to the original Chronicle timeline. Oh, okay. And how? Correct me if I'm wrong. Thorbarn's been closed yes. for 200 yes. years. Yes, yes. Thor, Thorbarn's been closed since the end of this war, which I can see why. I yes, mean, like after this war, you're going to be kind of like. Become insular. So, you're gonna build a wall. So we build so, wall. so we even have more. So it, it explains more of that disconnection. Yes, yeah. it does. And we it, fought ourselves. Stuff happened. We're just not gonna talk to each other anymore. It adds to the world of the chronicle. Yes. So we just went through a lot of world building, and we're only in chapter two. Okay, but really? that's okay. Yes, but that's okay because that's a lot of world building. Chapter two is just the army of Fist and Dantilus. We meet this guy named Garrick. Which I really like this because if there's one thing that I think that Weiss and Hickman did not do enough in the Chronicles, and that is jumping into the head of an everyman mm-hmm. or an every soldier during battles. And right away here with the Army and Fist of Dantilus, we're going to get kind of the viewpoint of Garrick, who is in the army, and he meets his cousin Michael, who just joined the army. And we get kind of this nice little vignette of what's going on kind of within the army. Within the army and within the world, is this where they talk about being knights or what? Yeah, their reasons for joining. Yes, all of that, which I think is great flavor. You have to make connections to this army, otherwise, nothing that happens with the battles will have any resonance. You know, so it was a really smart decision to do something like that. You had an issue with Duncan. Uh huh. I had an issue with the name with throwing the name Michael in here. Ooh, a very Christian name. Because we haven't, we Actually, haven't, I, that, yes, we haven't yes. had too many people here in Kryn who have that Anglo-sounding name. Yes, that's true. That 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 Roman Christian name. Right. However, I will also say here too, I like I love Garrick and Michael. I do. Garrick and Michael are Galahad and Gawain Ooh. from Arthur. Hmm. Really good catch. I like that. Yeah. Ooh, very nice. So on to chapter three. Caramon and his magical Gore-Tex tent. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, with <laughs> with Chrysania when... Uh, or he's in his magical Gore-Tex tent uh, when, with Chrysania when he oddly professes his love for her. That's a little weird. This gets... Uh, yeah, so what Just was... Just a little weird? Are you sure it's not... So what was weird? kind of like a, a tension like with Caramon is now starting to bubble over. It's something we kind of joked about in the other one. Like, yeah, and uh, it's becoming very real yeah, here yeah. at this point. But yeah. isn't he saying at this point that he's just simply explaining to Chris it, here? It's he's saying that, you know what, I can feel myself having feelings for you, but I'm not going to do anything well, about it. it's Chrisania. So if, ca- if you catch me doing something, I'm, I'm not going to follow through. Well, it's Chrisania who puts him in his place and says, mm-hmm. what you're doing, you're in love with Tika. You know, your wife. Yeah. And it kind of specifically says, hey, your wife, Tika. You know, and yeah. you're just kind of confusing me. I think she's smart. She knows, hey, Caramon, like you'd referenced last time, Clob, Caramon's it's been, been a year and a half. been blue-balling it for a long time. <laughs> He's been dressed in scanty leather. Every woman back, uh, uh-huh. y- you know, in Istar was throwing himself at, or herself at him. Uh, you know, I mean, yeah, uh, the man's a little hard up at this point, right? 
So well, and it's it's it, again, you're in a different timeline. Like I said before, if the zip code rule works, what about the timeline rule? <laughs> if if you're with a woman before your wife is even born, two hundred years <laughs> before <laughs> your wife is even born, <laughs> then somehow it's gonna be that he was with that woman, she got pregnant, and turns out Tika's is like goddaughter. No, no, that's what I was shit. saying earlier. Is he is both Caravan the Elder and Caramon the Elder. <laughs> Brendan and I turn to our ghost fifth chair. <laughs> what is what is your thoughts? On Can Caramon become his own grandfather? <laughs> <laughs> well, he could, but he better. And what is the morality of Caramon sleeping with Chrysania if it's 200 years before Tika was ever born? Well, first off, she's a cleric. Wow, that's true, and she needs to be a and virgin wa- for and, this whole And thing. does he really want somebody who wants his brother again? <laughs> We're not honestly going to talk about this. No. Oh, wait, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. First <laughs> no, because it is still fir- cheating on no. his wife. Of the fir- course it is. The fir- yeah. I'm sorry. The first time it was Raceland. Raceland yeah. going, after going after Caramon's girlfriend. Yes, yep. yes, okay. yes. Things will get weird, though, down the line, too. But whatever. But I, no, I really did read this as him just needing to kind of, okay, this is happening. I This is kind of the feelings I have inside me. And almost like he's telling her this. So that she puts him back in his right, place. Right, yeah, right. like th- mm-hmm. this is this is him check. This is him checking himself using her. Right, right. And then we get this whole race and walking in, seeing what happens. He runs out, runs into the woods. Uh, Chrysania follows him. There's a great painting of uh, this. Yeah, yep. Um, so you can look it up where you know a lot of things happen. Uh, Raceland throughout the rest of this book is going to continually continuously spiral into a place where I feel if you're a huge Raceland fan, and I still am, I'm a Raceland fan, but he becomes very evil and very, you know, I mean, he is going to abuse her in a lot of ways. He's going to kind of rip, yeah, there's kind of this weird love and there's kind of, kind of he's oh, ripping yeah. and beating her up and, and there's a very contentious, um, you know, um, Relationship between the two. Of and at the end I, of the I don't book, think he's necessarily beating her up as much as throwing her away from him. Yeah, well, he. It's not like he. It, it's not like he backhands her. Well, no, but it's like he's trying to deal with his lust for her and the fact that he can't have her, um, and the fact that he's kind of I feel in he love does, with he, her, he does, but can't be in love correct. with her, and he's not capable of love. He yeah, feels correct, and so he's acting out kind of like a child where he brings her in kind of wants to make out with her and then kind of slaps her away and rips her clothes. It's an abusive relationship. It's a very abusive relationship. Juvenile. Juvenile and abusive. abusive. Which, yeah, I would agree. Where has... I can't believe I'm defending Raceland on this. <laughs> but where has Raceland... Oh, oh, where, 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 where has Raceland ever had the opportunity to learn the skills to deal with any abusive yeah, His sister beat him up. His his mother was nuts. True, very true. Uh, yeah. But yeah. I, I, well, I, she, she was like catatonic. I'm nature versus nurture. Well, she I'm let actu- magic go and she went crazy because of it. I'm yeah, actually yeah. going to want you to hold on to that thought because when we get to the end of this book and he that's going to come into oh, play. Yes. His yes. conversation about what yeah. he plans on doing with her. Yeah, exactly. And we're going to even have flashbacks to mom. Yeah. And, and, and I've got a lot to say when we get there. Because that's healthy. <laughs> <laughs> I have I have great I have great comparisons okay. to make when we get there. Yeah, there's so much. To, so let's get there because we're only in chapter I think three. I know, where, I know where you're going. With yeah, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, he reveals her. You know, and I think this is supposed to be kind of uh, titillating while at the same time appalling, uh, right? But Raceland retreats to his tent, uh, and Caramon bursts in incensed about what mm-hmm. has happened to Chrysania. So we have these brothers fighting over kind of their quasi love. Over Chrysania and you know what's it's happening. It's a love triangle. Yeah. It is this love triangle, which which uh, you know um, 
Hickman is going to say is this thing, the theme that he's going to always bring is this balance, this triangle, everything is in threes and yeah. balance. Say, they, they Luke, what do you got to say? You got issues, man. I don't... This could have worked. Right. Anywhere. I don't, but, it's, but it's being all, like, centered around a cleric that neither... Well, I guess, I don't know. A cleric that neither of them can actually be with. And right. I'm, not, I'm not just speaking, like, sexually. Right. Yes, I know what you're saying. I don't. It. it this could have worked elsewhere. This mm-hmm. love triangle could have worked elsewhere. That, it's not, that, that's worry, it's not working for you here. Not not here. Because I mean, what, like, what are you gonna? You guys are just gonna, like, teenagers just kind of like, mm, I love you, and yeah. then like, mm, I can't be with you. And so it's, it's yeah. just two brothers doing that to right. the same. And I think this woman. is what where what a lot of times in this trilogy things are more adult i feel mm-hmm. in this trilogy this is where i think the yeah. teen angsty stuff does time sometimes shows up if you're reading this as a teen this is going to really resonate with you yeah the girl okay. that you can't have you yeah. can't be with you and your buddy are fighting over her or you and your brother are fight. like it does have kind of a, a a lot of smackings of teenage relationships yes. mm-hmm. You know, uh, maybe not good ones. Who? <laughs> <laughs> but I love her. But I love her. I'm gonna slap her around and rip her clothes I, off I a just, little bit. I, I just need to point this out. Yeah. Yes. Is there such a thing really as a good teenage relationship? No, no, no. <laughs> You've seen them in the corner of McDonald's. There is no, oh. such, there is no such thing as a good teenage no. relationship. No. Uh, <laughs> um, but I was okay with this. I'm, I'm not going to agree with you necessarily, Luke. That I, yeah. I, 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 I enjoyed this, and I didn't think about it as being teenagery. But I see where hate. you're coming from. The Come part back. that I had a problem with this yeah. was <laughs> you're in the middle of camp half the time when some of this stuff is going yeah. on. Even though you're in your own private tent, I'm like, what are your soldiers yeah. looking at you going, oh, what that's the hell is going on? <laughs> that is when the soldier outside on guard just goes... I can't hear anything. I can't hear anything. Eyes forward. Just ignore everything because yeah, right, I don't right, want right, to know right, this right. crap. And that's why we. And that's why we have Michael and Garrick, who exactly. are our primary ones yes. that are around during this. Just going. I am loyal to the kingdom. I am loyal to the cause. I am loyal to my general. I am loyal. <laughs> I am loyal to Arthur, despite the fact that I know that Guinevere is sleeping with Lancelot over there. <laughs> well. <laughs> It, it would take a like the Salamonic Knights vow right. to keep these guards right. from being like, oh my god, why are they whining about all of this? Well, let's get into chapter four where we have our filler kind of here. Chrysania is riding, she's she's out of there yep. with all this. Yeah. She's riding across the plains and we get this whole thing of where she goes to a village. We get a, we get a bee story. We get the B story. I agree. Uh, this story makes a really... I like why it's here and what it's trying to outline, but I agree. It's a, it's it's, a B story. It is definitely a B story. <laughs> so we have Crescenia who runs to this village. We find out that this village has uh, is It's the plague. ...by a plague, which is yes. going to play a part in this whole book. Um, she she tries to do some healing, right? Because she finds a guy that is like digging. she finds the la- the last priest who is still alive in right, this town. Right, yeah, right. And he's a priest of the new gods. <laughs> oh, that's right. I, which yep. that has priest. never played much into these. This this whole priest of the new the seekers the seekers yeah like in the mainline story have never played much of a part. I have heard about seekers since Chronicles like, first book of Chronicles. chapter one volume yep. one yeah. book one yeah. But yep. remember that that again is two hundred years from now right. after uh, we've gone through the plagues and. <laughs> 
Sorry. Well, well, I'm not going to lie. I think Seekers was a thrown away idea. I do yeah. think it plays a part in those beginning chapters of Autumn Twilight. Sets up kind of a cool idea that there's this new religion. And then it's then, really, it, yeah, it goes the, away. Yeah, with the Seekers turn into, into Draconians. Yeah, that's and all it, it is. It, yeah, it's like not a, not a big deal. So, um, but anyway. She goes to town. She finds the dude digging a mass grave. He collapses. She brings her back to his house. Yes. She has a conversation about the new gods. Shows her her glowing pendant. He tells her, okay, I understand that you worship Paladine. However, I refuse to worship Paladine, so please don't heal me. Right. And this is all part of Chrysania's kind of juvenile plan of, like, I'm going to run up to this village. Like, she knows this village is there. And she's like, I'm going to convert everybody there to Paladine, and then I'm going to bring them all back and prove that time can be altered because I've got this whole group of clerics that's with me. I, I have to be completely honest here. These chapters made me want to go to sleep. Really? I really? did not care a at all for these. There were a lot cooler things I, I felt that could have been done with the plague, with the mass yeah, graves. Yeah. With, but yeah. you Weiss and Hickman do dark well. They could have gone really dark here, and they One. didn't. They just kind of went, eh, the entire village yeah, is yeah. dead here. Your religion. Like, your no, your, 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 give me something dark. Your gods aren't my gods. I believe that you... It, it kind of almost speak, it speaks to openness in religion here a little bit. Yes. Because, okay, it's great that you believe in your gods. That's fine, but that's not for me, so I'm just going to die. Yeah, I it, just... Well, I think I a mean, lot of this is... Hickman is using this as, as his uh, bully pulpit to try to talk about, uh, through his faith, why does God allow suffering to happen, is what he's trying to say through this. I can this. see that. Uh, and, and that's fine, and again, I think the last book. Well, it's it's, it's got to be something because the middle of the the middle of the middle book is not where you do world building. Yeah, yeah. I, I I agree. I, I think it's more Hickman taking a sideline to say, okay, there's suffering going on, and and Chrysania is coming to terms with why is why are the gods or why is does God allow this suffering to go on. I, I think it, I, I'm, a, I'm in agreement that this is too many chapters to try to... Yeah, and so we get to Caramon and Raceland who are going after Chrysania here. They come into the village. They're like, oh, look, the plague. However, yeah. let's keep wandering into the village. Yep. Because <laughs> we need to find her. Uh, yep. They find her with come, the... Come, my friend, they brother. Find, they find her with the dead dude. <laughs> oh, okay. They all make up because things are sad again, and they need to figure out something to do, and then we go back to the army. Well, I will say, yeah. the only part I liked about this was showing Raceland's power when he burnt down the entire village. Yeah. That's it. Yes. That well, is the well, only thing I'm I gonna, cared about I'm gonna, I'm gonna disagree. I do like chapter six, where on riding there, and I think this is super necessary. Oh, I'm sorry, you're right, I completely... F the rabbit. The rabbit. The rabbit. Ra Raceland and Caramon have a really necessary exchange where they are like back to being old brothers again. Yeah. I where they are this. they are hanging out together. They think goblins are in the woods. They go, they both get caught in a rabbit trap, which is really funny. But there's love that happens between the two of those. If that didn't happen in chapter six, the rest of this book would really be an issue for me. Because yeah. we have Karamon going back to really really kind of playing into his brother again and wanting to do for his brother, where at this point I felt Caramon was strong enough to stand up to his brother. He was going to kill his brother, I also the whole thing. And I'm like, oh, the rest of this book would be really irritating to me if we didn't have this connection that happens in chapter and 6. this, even from the other side too, yeah. this felt like the one... It, 
there's no way that this fell into part of Raceland's plan with everything. No, yeah. it did So not. I really felt this this really rehumanized Raceland like, like for that. a moment I, as well. It did. A necessary rehumanizing. It helps me. Because at the end of this, they're going to try to Darth Vader this, where Raceland is going to be like, horrible and trying to take over Takesis and Karaman will still be trying to bring him back from the brink. You know, kind of like, I still sense there's good in him. If we didn't have Chapter 6 as readers, we'd be like, screw Raceland yeah. at this point. Karaman, why aren't you taking off his head? I will be, you know, at this point. This gives, this, this rehumanizes You have Raceland. to rehumanize Raceland re at this it, point. It doesn't make everything better between them. No. But... And I could it makes them long for what was. And it I, makes Caramon I, long. And for I what can was. speak as somebody who has a brother. Yes. And as can I. Yeah. Well, and there and are me. <laughs> I cannot. <laughs> and there are those know. times where, regardless of your relationship with your brother, there are those times where things come up where all of a sudden you're 12 again. Right. And oh, you yeah. remember who you were and yep. if you had that good, you know, if you had that, or wherever you were when you had that good, fun relationship. Right. See, if you yep. ever had that with your right. brother. I want to jump in here and I feel like they could have made Raceland and Caramon have, have a better moment or something along the lines when Raceland saw all of the dead gully dwarves. I feel like that could have been another way and they could have just wiped out this entire time, this entire. Yeah, we did. We, we did. We did. We did skip over the garbage fraggles tr stabbing themselves. Well, no, that was pikes. that's that's way later on in the book. But I'm saying like that was an, that could be another point where that's like at the end of the book where that could be a time where they rehumanize Caramon, where or not Caramon, Raceland, where it's something that Caramon could actually have a conversation with Raceland right. about that versus just being in Raceland's head going, oh. Maybe he has a little bit of, you know, maybe he is good. For the readers, it could be one of those moments where Caramon has that versus having to sit through these chapters that I just didn't care about. I, I, I will agree with Bob. I could have done without the town. Yeah. However, I understand why the town needed to be there in right. order for us to just to just have this one moment where they had this one hour of okay. the evening where they were the guys from the beginning of Chronicles. Okay, I can concede that they had to be get away from the army. Exactly. That and, was their But excuse. then we get to the end, uh, which I really like the end here, where Rayson conjures up the fire and consumes the town. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is great. It's it's necessary. Yep. It's, a, it's a plague. Which is something that, not not by magic, but right. which was something that was done with small villages right. that had the plague. There is a lot of subtext going on here that I'm very interested in, and I'm not really sure what I think about it. Mm -hmm. So this is where we need to, I, I always feel like I need to talk about stuff. So <laughs> we, we have... Thangs. And thangs. Well, stuff and thangs. Stuff and thangs. So... We have Raceland who conjures up this incredible amount of flame, right? But while he's doing it, Caramon hears in his head he seeks to become a god, right? And and Hickman is again going to draw on his Christian influences, uh, where I believe this is kind of trying to play on the story of Elijah when he brings down the fire from heaven and it consumes the altar with water and everything because the whole town is soaked. It's very specific that there is a... A torrential rain going on. Mm -hmm. Yes. Right? So the whole town is soaked in water, yet Raceland is so powerful he can con bring down fire from heaven, consume the town. So he is very much displaying godlike powers mm -hmm. here. And we have Caramon who hears that in his voice, and we have Chrysania who goes to him and realizes that the only thing 
that Raceland loves is his power. And I was confused by the whole... Which I'm worried about. Because I'm like, okay, so now why is Chrysania going to continue with him? Like, I know, and I know why. I know the answer to that. I I, I was confused by the whole, I'm going to bring the entire town down in flames and I am this great ball of fire. Come to me, my dear, and sit in the fire with me. It's still a little teenager-y. But, yeah... But so what? After okay, seeing let's all talk this, about how deep all this is, or like whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Luke's just done. Let's let's get back to the army. Yeah, Raceland and Chrysania, if teenagers no, would, no, I, would I, be walking through cemeteries, cool, talking about oh, stuff late at night. A, a cool display, of listening high. to emo, talking about stuff in cemeteries. But, but, he, but, would, but he would have to get, like this would be ha- after she just snuck out of her preacher father's house. Yeah. Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. To hang yeah. out with the to hang out with the emo. Kid. She, hey got her, she got her. She got a tattoo on her left butt cheek. Nobody knows about. Hey babe, let's go burn down a village and just talk about how deep death is. <laughs> <laughs> so Luke, what are you thinking on this? I feel like you got. I thought, I, thought, I thought the display of power was cool. I thought the idea of him being in love with his power was cool. Right. But again, it was kind of like, yo, yeah, how deep am I? Right. Like, <laughs> come. You do that very well. How, how deep? I was going to say. Have you, have you, uh, <laughs> I don't want to hey, talk babe. about who I used to be. We'll go smoke cigarettes and candies and read some Hunter S. Thompson. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Um, Shut up. <laughs> Flashbacks, Luke. Flashbacks. But, <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> but this is huge for a race, and like we talked about, he's a glass cannon, so this is tiring. He falls asleep afterwards. <laughs> Uh, and and they have to ride off with them, right? And Chris wonders what Raceland means by one last trial, and Caramon says that it is a trial of blood. I do feel this is kind of a a pretty strong end to book two and a really good setup for book three. It is. Uh, it is a long mm-hmm. setup. Uh, you know, I felt this whole extra well, sidebar of a village was a little, and, but it it was cool. For me. And we I could have taken a different path. Yes. yes. Yeah. And I and this all comes back to a huge setup. Um, from Chron- from Chronicles, mm. of what were the actual tests that Raceland went through in the Tower of High Sorcery? Right, that's Ooh, true. Right. We are getting yeah. a little bit, a little bit. Just like all fire, blood. I seem to remember, you know, just snippets about that going on there. But yeah, you're correct. This is mm-hmm. the burn down the village. Okay, yeah, that's it. burn down a village. Fade the screen to black. Done with book two. Let's you know now. Now we have now we now we have the shot in book. Opening a book three with the the birds singing and like you're waking up in camp. And oh no! We end this with the song of Huma. Oh god, that's Reprise. right. I, I skipped that. <laughs> the song of Huma. I'm sorry, Michael Williams. I can't. Well, you know, I mean, let's she just. Called him you know, it's 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 <laughs> fairly. It's, it's I, fairly pre- I prefer my chapter three. Song. It's fairly short, so I feel like you know we've always been not giving Michael Williams his due. So let's just read the no, depth. I'm pretty sure that we looked at let's, the actual music sheets in the episode. Let's one. read okay. the depth that okay. is the song of Huma. Then this is then this reprise. Then this is what's going on, like as as the camera, like we just burned the village to the ground, but it's the next morning, and they're doing the helicopter camera over the highlands. Can you of Scotland. can you sound effect this? Do do we have the sheet music for this? We can just like sing, the, like sing there's, through oh, this. I don't know if we can sing it, but uh, we'll oh, we'll talk it. Any boy through cinders and blood. The harvest of dragons traveled Huma 
cradled by dreams of the silver dragon. It sounds like we're summoning something. And the stag perpetual, a signal before him! At last, the eventual harbor, a temple so far to the east that it lay where the east was ending. There, Paladine appeared in a pool of stars and glory, announcing that of all the choices, one most terrible had fallen to Huma. For Paladine knew that the heart is a nest of yearnings, that we can travel forever toward the light, becoming what we can never be! Alright, that was weird. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> it sounded more like we were praying or summon. That was Cthulhu. That was deep. Our, our neighbors might be worried about it. I don't us. I, they, I, they no, might, no, I'm like looking to see if we sacrifice sheep or Bob and I legitimately spent twenty minutes <laughs> chanting to Cthulhu a week ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cthulhu I want last intro. I want to point it out to our audience too, folks. We just did that. <laughs> that was in no way planned whatsoever. That, that, that was really weird. Yeah, was, um, <laughs> Thank you, Michael for Williams, for bringing us together yeah, so that we yeah. can see or chant Chants? together. Chants. Sing, that was yeah. not singing. We, 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 we there's there's hymns that chant like that. I agree. This, this is like, very it's Gregorian. Almost, it's almost like the almost like the apostles of the yeah, Niacin yeah. Creed. It's yeah. Homer's Creed. <laughs> Just so you know the annotations, which I will not read any of them. Michael Williams has one here. It's about five times longer than what we just read. <laughs> <laughs> he, he really explains a lot like, about what we just read. I don't know. This this poem, of course, I won't read it all, no, but just this stop. poem, of course, comes from the Chronicles. It is an excerpt actually straddling two stanzas from the much longer Song of Huma. I think he goes all so the way into it. So book three. Yeah. Um, yeah. Woo! All right. Yeah, book three. Moving on to book three. Footsteps in the Sand. Again, we're starting off with a little kind of vignette piece where we're going to very quickly move through a time. Little, a little day. A little day. Where we're going to learn about Caramon. Um, and how he sets up town, a command in a town of Kergoth, and uh, by the it's a city that finds itself next to the sea mm-hmm. after the cataclysm, the opposite of what happened in Tarsus, where they they found themselves after the cataclysm, you know, in a desert yes. there by the sea. A cool little bit of world building. A lot of this is just moving the army along. Yeah. Like, I, hey, he's got to the sea, and he's got to move him across by you. ship. And but, it's just like a moving. And, but army. unlike when we were at the city that was the sea, we don't have ships here. Right. And I like this because it was just short, simple, sweet. Here's a bunch of information that if it wasn't in the what, book, we'd probably be whining about it. What the last couple chapters? You know, maybe I would have rather been with them on a boat. Right. I would. One thing well. that I think that is important that happens is this here. some sort of radical new therapy. <laughs> I'm, I'm sailing. sailing. <laughs> what about Bob? Um. So. Jeez. One thing that I do think that comes out of this that is important is that Raceland, though, worries about after that big fire spell he did, he's weak for quite a long time. He's yeah. out of it for two days, and he's like, wait a second. Maybe If I do all that portal stuff, am I going to have the power to fight Takesis, right? Yeah, like you not, him. Yeah, yeah. She's a god. Good luck. But does power work the same in the abyss as it does in the real world? Probs. <laughs> uh, no, I'm asking as the wizard, oh. dude. Oh, if you cross into another plane, are you no. still feeling your fatigue from the first plane? Un- unless, unless it's a plane that wouldn't let you sleep or something. Okay. I mean, right. I mean, even if we're going just by like wizard rules, you should be fine overnight. Right. Right. 
So, but anyway, we jump to chapter one. Raceland uh, tells the guard outside his tent, I want to be alone. And then he pulls his little tiny dragon orb mm. out of his thing and does a little getting bigger and everything out of his incredible shrinking box that I guess nobody knows he has because it gets big and small and whatever. Well, they, they the do orb? know they know he has his... No, the box. Doesn't he have a box? He, 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 has, a, he has a chest and essentially it's a chest of holding. To where you can right. throw you can throw anything into it, but it right. still weighs very. But I thought little. something is said well, about how like the rest of the the troops like he carries this thing they, around. Nobody knows he even has the box. No, they know they have it. They were under strict orders not to touch it. And uh, the one guard that touched it said like because he just didn't realize it was the box. He was never supposed to touch. He just lifted it, thinking, mm-hmm. "Oh, I got to move this." And was it's, scarred, it's like the, mentally it's scarred. It's the Ark of the Covenant. Mm. Okay. Yeah, basically. So, Don't touch, yeah. otherwise so you So Raceland is dragging around it's the a, Ark it's of the a, Covenant. It's a cursed box of holding. Right. Yeah. And he has the protection spells over it, but it's light enough for Raceland to move it by himself. And what does he no want to do? No matter what he has in it. Hey, it's been a long time. He wants to dial up an old friend. Must be luck, my Uh Yeah, um, this, is, uh, this is Dalimar. <laughs> Who's that? <laughs> new orbs, new orb, who, who this? You beat me to it. You beat me to it. <laughs> this is some sort of nine hundred number. Who is this? Well, this is right after uh, Delamar has like does because isn't Delamar do, having his like one little sexual moment? Well, here? let's go chapter two. Oh yeah, Delamar is in Palinbas. Oh, yeah, yeah. Raceland's dialing him up whilst. Yeah, he's trying to he's trying to cast some spells while the boss is away. Here's the doorbell ring, goes down and sees the voluptuous to keep her. Oh, uh, Kitty you're back, my love. And Claude is a happy You're man. back, my love, and you're being as sensual and lovely as ever. Whoa, whoa, whoa. And there is almost in Jeez, there is the pants. instant sexual. Tension between these two. I, I, yeah, I guess. I don't know. Uh, because I because they're both they both know that they're they both know they're pretty. Yes. And they and they're both u- they're both used to disarming other foes with by, sexuality. With sexuality. Kitiara is constantly taking people Oozing. out of their clothes. All the time. Oozing sex. And a gr- a great lines here. Actually, I think that Hickman and Weiss are doing the sensuality between Delmar and Kiara very well here. I don't know who writes this. I don't know if it's Weiss or Hickman, but one of those two has, like, yeah... Should be writing romance novels. You know, I, down those I, I have to. I have to search. <laughs> I, I have to search you for weapons. I've given yeah. you all my weapons. Would you like to go under my armor and look for weapons? I'm like, yes, yes, Kittyara. I would love to go under your armor and look for Dragon weapons. Lance after midnight. Just a lot of bodice splitting hey. smut. You, you know, <laughs> you know, there's some fanfic about this. Oh, oh you. Oh, yeah. Oh God, dark, dark elf, on, dark elf on Kittyara. Frick yeah. <laughs> Don't search that out online. Oh, I think that works. <laughs> it's probably not safe for work. <laughs> um, there, uh, what we have Raceland and we have Elmore painting Raceland, th- throwing down and ripping Chrysanthia's clothing. Chris, Chris, ah, Chrysanthia, what? Chrysanthia, <laughs> Chrysanthemum, Chrysanthia, Chrysanthia's clothing. Where is the Larry Elmore picture of yeah, her of, this. Ho- of of her being all hot and sweaty with the dark elf? You know why? Because you know who's getting the shaft in here, Dalimar. For some reason, nobody's painting a lot of Dalimar. I want some more Dalimar out there. If well, you're an artist out there, we need we need more Dalimar and talk, pictures. And, and by again, God, we need Dalimar Kitiara pictures. And again, this is why he's going <laughs> back. Going back to what we talked about with Gladiator Caramon. Yes. 
this is again. This is the this is the men of Dragonlands calendar. The way that uh, the way that uh, Dalimar is painted here. Oh, for the way, sure. The way that he is described here. It's like it's like for 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 October he'll be like laying against the couch with like one leg out of the dark robe and a shoulder down, and you can see right. the chiseled features. Except for the giant five fingered chest burn in his chest. <laughs> Even Kitty Ara says she can look over that. And you know yeah. what? Who who comes in but the giant cock block, Soth? <laughs> yep, there's Soth. Ruins a lot of things. He's like, hey, I'm a ghost, and I wanted a piece of that, too. <laughs> so he shows up, right? So we, again, underutilized character, Soth, who he doesn't get used enough, I don't feel, in this universe. Hey, by the way, in the comics, we start off strong as well in the first few issues with Soth. Not around again. Who? Why are people not utilizing this character? He's why like, are people not? You? Why? Why? Are, I want and Kidiara. I want more Kidiara. Yeah, Kidiara. Uh, Kidiara and Sonic not utilizing you enough. If, yeah, I don't. Get but it. <laughs> I'm I'm hoping that somehow in the oh, third book, in the third okay. book, that Kidiara comes more because she's she does. They've teased her being at yes. play in this. In this trilogy storyline of Legends. Yes. They've teased her being at play, but every time it feels like she's going to be in play and going to become more than a side character, yep. then we switch back to the main characters and we forget about her again. Well, yeah, we don't know what... Yeah, if you're looking for a little more Kitty R on Lord Soth, might I interest you in uh, Dragons of High Lord Skies. <laughs> well, Available I, right uh, now on Amazon I, uh, and eBay. I haven't read it, but Soth and Kitiara and Sky are on the corner. But and like, but like is, uh, walking out really quick. <laughs> uh, in his but like the modern era of these Wizards of the Coast, that art might not have anything to do with what's inside. <laughs> That's very true. There was a griffin on the cover of the last one. <laughs> hey, there was a griffin. There were griffins. Story. That's Once. how they got away from Paxaros. Yeah, th- that's what we're saying. It's one mens- line. Yes. And one it, little and it, and it, it warrants a cover. This one scene would warrant a cover of Soth and Kitiara. Yes, and so that. we're all set up for this. We're all set up for a boot scene between Delmar and Kitty. I'm set up for a boot. I'm ready. Yeah. I've got candles lit in the house. The lights are low. I'm I'm reclined on the couch. I am ready for you, this boot you've scene. You've made your wife put on a black wig. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. Um, so I'm ready. I'm ready to read this part. Um, I really like the humor here because um, what we have is like Raceland find or uh, Kitiara finds out that Raceland is going ahead with these plans. Uh, this is where Lord Soth finds out he didn't kill Chrysania. This is the first which is time. a big surprise to him. Yeah, yeah. Which no. which that's, this will have no play in this book. That's like them finding this stuff out has no play in this book. So we're betting that this has something to do with the next book. Yes. Right. That, um. I'm. I'm sorry. That spell usually works. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, swear this never happens. But, exactly. <laughs> but but Dalimar uh, is pretty much like Kitiara. You got some splaining to do, or I got some. Come upstairs, and then he like goes upstairs, and Kitiara has to walk. On uh, like 500 <laughs> flights of stairs. Well, that's because she tells him he offered. He offered. He offered to bamf, and she's like, "No, I can get there under my own two feet." And he's like, "All right, fine." And bamps out of there. <laughs> I loved it. That that made me laugh. Like then yeah, there's Kitiara. She's all sweaty and huffing when she gets. But what there. I like that is that's part of the sexual tension. Like she is a woman who's always in control, always has the power. Oh, okay, and Dalimar's okay, like, okay, you know, yeah. okay, hey, why don't you come up the stairs after me, little lady? And she comes up and she's all hot and sweaty. And is like, oh, you really taught me, big boy. <laughs> and so we have this scene where she's like, he's kissing her neck. And the, like this whole thing is being done with all kinds of touching and heavy, heavy petting. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yes, I yes, mean, this, is. yeah, yeah. This is like. I, I didn't feel comfortable in this. I, I liked it. Because you play her brother. 
<laughs> I pushed real heavy for this to be an open. I pushed really heavy for this to be the opening scene to this podcast, but uh, you know, because you play Delmar and your wife would play Kitiara, and we yeah. ju- we just take this. Uh, I don't. We take the microphone home, and, <laughs> and, and they've already pl- they've already rehearsed this scene at home. Oh my god. <laughs> Lines are already memorized. You gotta do something for the podcast, honey. Just Bob. Talk into this microphone. (laughs) Just just Bob in a black velour robe, like bathrobe, just standing there going, hello. (laughs) Why don't you follow me up the stairs? Get your mouth real close to this microphone. No. (laughs) You're never never taking this home. Just easing down the pants of ours. Okay, so, um, but again. Sexual tension aside. (laughs) But. I, I, I do love, like, what we said. Boot scene here. Bob, we've talked about how, where this scene fits in here and how we like this scene. Does there have to be an annotation for this scene? Uh, yes. Uh, again, I feel like we need to refresh listeners, if they haven't listened to Chronicles, that on this podcast, we now all the time refer to sex scenes as boot scenes. Yes. You said we were never going to bring that up again. Sorry. Well, uh, this is something... Hey, if, you, if you happen to jump in uh, part two of the middle book of a trilogy, <laughs> here's your reminder. Then you're an idiot. But anyway... <laughs> <laughs> but thank you for downloading. You know, you, you we're going to get one comment that says, <laughs> yeah, yeah, of hey, course. Hey, this, I, I started listing on episode 22 uh, and I'm pissed. Hour <laughs> like two. Hour two. I, I, I scrubbed through. Hour two. So I was cruising Netflix and I saw this really cool series. I went to season three and started watching episode four. And boy, was <laughs> it confusing. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so a boot scene is something that Hickman uh, calls a sex scene because Hickman, uh, you know, of course, probably religious reasons as well, doesn't like to have sex scenes. Like, you know, we're not going to get a sex scene. We're going to get a lot of flirting. We're going to get a lot of heavy petting. We're not going to get sex. And he says because it's better that hey things happen. Ha- things, things, ha- things should happen in your mind, right? So this oh, is what. Oh, a lot of things have happened in my mind with Kitty Well, uh, this is exactly what Hickman wants. This is what he says. I found this kind of cute. He says, uh, as I stated. <laughs> cute. I don't know if it's cute. Uh, oh, Hickman, you cute velour dress. <laughs> He's just sauce. Foolish woman. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, you, you, you said that Mormons can't drink, but I do envision him constantly drinking cognac. Just sitting <laughs> around. Car- he, doesn't, he doesn't have to be a good Mormon. Call, yeah. Calling up old Margaret and just giving her the what for on what to write. March! <laughs> Take this down! <laughs> You're confused about kinders and time. Well, let me tell you, Marge. Oh, you know, just follow this pattern. We'll get it all. Oh, you know I hate it when you call me Marge. <laughs> I yeah, I, you she's feel like Wisconsin. Margaret, Margaret talks like what the mom from All in the Family? She's from Is that Wisconsin. What <laughs> she's from Wisconsin. I don't know. Oh, oh you know. No, no, like Sarah Palin. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Russia's just over there. I'm from Alaska. You know, I can see Pax Darkest from my big window. <laughs> so, so anyway, the annotation, so anyway, Bob. The freaking annotation says, uh, as I stated... Uh, in the cr- annotated chronicles that I love boot scenes, I recently watched an old Dick Van Dyke TV episode from the 1960s in which Laura Petrie gets her toe stuck in the faucet of a bath and can't reach the door to unlock it for her husband. The background material, thank you DVD, told the story of how the actress, Mary Tyler Moore, was at first terribly upset about the script, that was supposed to be an episode highlighting her character. And here she was spending most of her time off camera calling out her lines from behind a locked bathroom door. 
Carl Reiner, who wrote the episode, pointed out to her that if they took the camera into the bathroom, they could only show Mrs. Moore from the shoulders up. But if they shot it in the way the script was written, well, then every man in the United States would spend that whole half hour imagining that Mary Tyler Moore was naked, okay, in the bath. He was right. Not only was that episode an instant classic, but there are people to this day who swear that they saw Mary Tyler Moore naked in a bathtub. Gross. Like, oh. <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not saying like seeing her naked is gross. I just think like the the entire like I don't know. That's that's just very misogynistic. <laughs> no, I don't know. Yeah. It's, well, it's it, 2018. It kind of it, it kind of gets to, yeah. It gives you that feel that there's like these producers sitting around smoking cigars. Like, listen, Mary, this broad, she's gonna be nude in a tub. So listen, if you're doing your lines through the door, yeah, every man in America is gonna be picturing you nude. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> oh, but that's I don't know about that. It's called art. It's called art, Mary. <laughs> Just go with it. You to, gotta do it for your career. To be fair, looking at it, sit on my lap. <laughs> looking at it from a lo- looking at it from a logical perspective, too, though. <laughs> that was terrible. You have to. Terrible. You also have to look at the fact that you couldn't show a toilet on screen at no, this point you in could, history. Either. You couldn't show a man and wife in bed together. No, but you couldn't. But you couldn't show a toilet. And the reason I know this is because I recently was reading some like old movie, uh, like trivia and stuff. And Psycho yeah. was the first time you ever saw a right. toilet on film. Really. really? In, a, in, a, in, a, in something major, right? Huh. Which uh, this and also how do you and how do you do that? How do you how do you how do you show a bathtub in a '60s house without a toilet? Without a toilet, which is interesting. You bring up Psycho because that is also a, a movie where the knife never touches her, but people swear watching that scene that they remembered her being stabbed mm-hmm. in that scene, but because of editing and everything, she never does. And the blood is and the blood is chocolate syrup. Right. Mm-hmm. So, again... I, I didn't know that. I guess... Uh, I think Hickman is locked into an older frame of mind, an older world, right? Uh, in, in a lot of ways. Well, and I... But, uh, but I agree with him that a lot of times it's better that uh, this is insinuated than seen. Uh, because you make I think, it up I in think your you, mind. you are, you are yes, correct. Yes, you are yes, correct. Yes, yes. I will give you that. Yeah, yeah don't, I, don't don't turn this into something by Fabio. But know? but I will yeah, do but, yes. But I will do anything for more Kitty R. Right. Which I I mean I have read and I think anything. He, oh, I do some shady crap for a Klondike bar. I do anything for <laughs> yeah. more Kitty R. Let's yeah. talk after the podcast. But like like <laughs> like I know some people. Like for instance, I Jay Kristoff, who I really like his books Neverwinter and and the, you know those those books. But he gets very explicit with his sex scenes. But in the end, all those scenes are totally throwaway. Besides the dialogue that might happen if it somehow advances the 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 plot, yeah. it's just there for titillation. Yeah, you know, and it's very heavy in there. You know, and and sometimes I would say maybe a cheap way to try to keep readers. You know, in in some way where really it doesn't serve any purpose besides. What it's doing? Yeah, merchandise. Okay, so let's so, move on. Right, we get we get to the end of this, and insert all of a sudden, hey boy, <laughs> yeah, because that wouldn't be weird. Hey boy, yeah, you better not be fondling my sister. Okay, so what was meant by this? Because I, I feel like there's a, a oh, yeah. what he said. I'm like, that's not a line from the book. No, but what but what we get is basically Dalimar sitting in bed afterwards with the L sheet, as you like to say, yes. Claude, yep. and he's smoking his cigarette and racing talks to him. But we get all this feel like Dalimar gets all the tingles, and he's just like, like, like he is. I, I wouldn't say in love with Raceland, but he like. 
is in love with the power or the thought of race. It's intoxicating in some way, right? Like the dark side. So there's this weird kind of, there's kind of this weird after sex lust Mm. that happens with Dalimar towards Raceland, but not in a sexual way, but like lust for his power. But it's, yeah, it's it, it gets weird because it's, of the it's, scene. It's, it's more following. it's more envy than lust. Right, yeah. right, yeah. right, right. Definitely. Yeah. So chapter oh, three, he, he's ringing me up from the past. You know. Right. <laughs> true. True. That's and that's an expensive call. <laughs> so re- chapter three it might cost you your sanity. Uh, Bertram, I love this part. Bertram's walking around again. His appearance always makes me laugh. Uh, this guy, he's just walking around the Astinus, and mm, he's like kind of a simpleton, and he's walking around the tower. <laughs> simpleton. I, I do, I picture Bertram, I picture Bertram as being the younger priest from the Fifth Element. Oh, very good. Yes, yes. <laughs> and he's like humming a tune, it's off key, he oh, yeah. does a little dance step down the hallway, like he's just like cute little aesthetic. He's, yeah. being, he's being all careful, because he's like, oh, I don't want the other priests or whatever he is to see, right. I'm just going to keep singing and yeah. just be like, ah, there's Raceland. I love God. the, I can he's just singing about what he's doing. Uh, yeah. Putting books away. <laughs> I like to wear robes and nastiness is kind of a dick. <laughs> <laughs> but bam right as uh Dalimar appears like a big black wet blanket uh and then bam Astinus appears to handle the situation well Astinus doesn't really bam he just no no Astinus wanders in is like you you because Bert, Bertram's all you you can't be here I can I you can, it's can, fine it's just we're, we're past leave. close oh, all right Oh, yeah, and he runs away. Books it. But what this is is like a fact-finding mission, right? Dalimar is sent to get the Dwarfgate War volume so he can read up on it and, and report back to Raceland. So what's up with the Dwarfgate War? How, how, what happened how during How 1980s is this? Like, <laughs> calling up somebody like, hey, do you have that book? Can you, like, okay, go get it. Okay, oh, oh, go, okay yeah, go to the library, get it, and then call me back, and then read it to me. Hey, that is how I passed many social studies... Uh, you were exams. I'm older than you. In, what do you mean? That's how you passed stuff. When I was young, before the internet was really popular, okay, okay. it was it was it was that was how I passed my social studies because I never brought my book home. True. This is true. It's, yeah, even Dwarfgate Wars is kind of Cold Wars. Yeah. <laughs> War game. Well, Asinus, War game. Asinus just walks up and he very Asinus is very Jedi like when he does a lot of things. Oh, he yeah. just he just walks up, picks like he's not even looking, picks the correct books off the shelf, hands it to Delmar, and is like, "Don't worry about returning it. They return themselves." Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. I like that. I like it. Yeah, yeah. I have several questions. Yeah, because the Dwarfgate Wars, <laughs> by the way, are like fee. <laughs> are like two shelves long. Like it's just volume after volume of these Dwarfgate Wars. Right, uh, but Dalimar does say something Chris, uh, cryptic. Tells Dalimar to tell Raceland. Uh, you know, Asinus has kind of a cryptic message for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, the wind blows; the footsteps in the sand will be erased, but only after he has trod them. So, in other words, we're I think foreshadowing that yes, Raceland will try. You know, do everything that Fist and Dantalus did until the end, and mm-hmm. that's when they will be erased. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's foreshadowing of of, of all of that. I feel. Um, the timeline will reset itself as soon as you get out of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. we get this little history download of the Dwarfgate Wars, which I kind of like because it sets us up for what we should see, and then we see what actually happens. So Fisty had a commander named <laughs> Faragas. 
uh, and how the mountain dwarves were defeated and they were forced to retreat. Faragas was killed by the doers, which is what Rayson's going to set up to do, right? Kill Caramon. The army of Fisty crumbles. Dwarves swarm Thorbarden. A gnome, this is kind of important, a gnome has a time device that actually works. Activates it, and it reacted with what Fisty is doing in that portal spell. Boom. Destroys everything. Right? So that's... Yeah, levels all Levels at all. The end of Fist and Dantalus. Yeah, exactly. So, the, and I like that because it sets in our minds up what he needs to be watching. So the rest of this book, I'm watching as, as you know, we have the time device being carried by Nimsh. And 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 where that is in proximity to Raceland, and it creates tension throughout a lot of that rest. That hey, are you going to try the same footsteps as Fisty or not? Because I kind of know they're not, mm-hmm. right? Like I know that this book isn't going to end with Raceland blowing himself to hell. You know, so I I know something's going to change. We but talked, how is that? We talked change? about that in previous episodes. As soon as Raceland became Fist and Dantilus. The history is simply written as Fisidantilus dies or Fisidantilus' right. body dies or whatever it is. It never says that, you know, it, I kept thinking that, holy crap, this is going to work. Right. Because he'll disappear, the explosion will happen because yeah. the portal will blow up after he goes through it or whatever. And destroy that whole area. And history has now gone through, and when they don't find Fist and Danilus, then it'll be written that he died in the explosion. I, I like yeah. that. I like that, too. What well, I think that, is... That, 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 that's part of the book, too, is that right. he dies, and it's even it's in that old book. Right. He dies, he goes to the other side of the veil, or quote-unquote the veil. I don't remember. Yeah. I think they call it the veil. I, I don't know. The abyss. I didn't yeah. take notes. No. Um... <laughs> Um, he goes to the other side and he waits around until he can find another body and it says Raceland Majere. Right. Right. So it's all written there. Right. Yeah. The structure of this book, again, like the last one, is so much smarter than the last mm. trilogy. Where in the last trilogy, you just had characters kind of bumbling around and just MacGuffins would happen mm. to try to propel the storyline along. I, pr- I don't know what I prefer, though. Well, I kind of, I like this. Where I this do. happened in the last book, where we knew what was going down with the king priest. And we knew that whole plan. And then we saw then how all that didn't work, you know, and it was kind of an interesting way to see what changes happen. Where the same thing's going to happen here. We know how this should go. Like the story, the end of this book is now given to us. Yes. And now we get to see, does that actually play out? And, how, here's, and here's where... I kind of like it. Here's like where it. we get into the time travel thing, because I will argue with you. Because mm-hmm. I don't even know what I believe at this point. Mm, true. Well, argue with me about what? Has, <laughs> has the timeline changed? No. No, I don't think no the timeline because has not. Here's my big thing too about uh, the commander being a, being killed by the doer. Yeah, is maybe in the timeline after Caramon disappears, they still say that he was killed by the doer. You well, never know. There, there's a cop out in here though. Well, I shouldn't say it's a cop out. It's a good, but again, uh, not safety it, net that mm-hmm. that all this history of these wars yeah. was not well documented. Yep, it's not, but it also doesn't change based off of what the it was. Said, did they was, say that? Yes. Yes. How was there volumes and volumes then? Asking us, what were you doing? Well, I mean, he's always I mean, he's always writing something. Yeah. Well, and stuff. I think we go back. Uh, well, he's always writing something, <laughs> and he can't be writing everything at once. Yes. Right. For everybody, 
and I also think that there's a you know the um, what the I for, library I, for, of, I forgot that these books were by Astonis, and now that you bring that up, I do have the, a problem. The, with I'm that. like the, like the, you have, and it's even said there's <clears throat> shelves of these, so there's yeah. like fifty some volumes well, of yes, those but Dwarf if we, Gate Wars, if we go but they back weren't to, recorded well. If we go back to this idea of we have Library of Palanthos, right? Yes. Is where. Yeah. We, have, we have the Library of Palanthos. We have all this stuff. It's still going to be two hundred years. True. Maybe some of this was lost. Are we? Are, I, I don't are know. we? Hard, this is the. Well, no, it doesn't get lost. I, and I'm going to go. I'm going to go way, way, way out on the metaphorical rabbit hole here. Oh God. This is the Library of Alexandria. 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 Excuse me. Uh, well, that's where I was going. Yeah. That's not way out on the limb. Yeah. That's like. Yeah, that's, that's what that's this is. Right where I yeah. went. What happened to the library of Alexandria? Uh, Alexandria. Yeah, we lost pretty much everything yeah. from it at but, some point. But did we lose it? No, we haven't they lost don't. any of it. We don't though. The the library of Palanthos is, is the same yeah. as it's always. But nobody's yeah. in the library of Palanthos in the future. Yeah, they are. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Yeah. is still there right now. No, Asinus is still there. I mean, it's just I don't feel I feel like now in this timeline, it's getting used. Mm. Well, it was getting used back in in the future timeline as well. It just Raceland tried to appear when they weren't allowing people in at the time, you know. So it's, and it's but so I'll, well. I you're yeah. right. You're right, Luke. I understand. I'm okay with going with it at this point. Yeah. Well, no, no, and I, I'm even okay with going. I, I, maybe, I, maybe I was okay with it until Bob brought it up. Maybe Astonis's book. Maybe, <laughs> maybe later. Sorry. Maybe later in the timeline, Astonis had one of the other scribes go back and change everybody's name in order to not, in order to not give away well, that they were actually going to go to the past from the future. That's yeah. the footsteps in the sand thing too. Yes, right. Well, and it I, hasn't changed yet. Yes, yes, yes. but it will. The yeah, only thing that changes is the names. Because if you read, if you if you had read the histories and as Raceland did, if you had read the histories about Fistadanalus, as Raceland had, and you saw. Caramon and Chrysania and you saw right. the other name the, the actual names in there from the history, well then that tells you that you would have right. succeeded, so therefore it's, again it's, it's, it becomes it's, the whole time let me, paradoxical. Let yeah. me let me step way out back. You went way out on a limb with uh with the Alex, Alexandria thing. Alexandria. Let me even go farther out on a limb and say what I think this is Hickman again. And what he's going way back to Christian mythology and ideas, the idea being, okay. If the if the if finally the apocalypse is real, right, mm. right, uh, Revelation, the book of Revelation in the Bible has already spelled out the demise of Satan. Raceland has been set up as being our Satan. That means Satan knows how it all goes down. Why would Satan do everything that is in Revelation, right? What you end up having is Satan Raceland. Doing everything according to the book of Revelation because he is somehow locked in. He wants to defeat God, mm-hmm. but he knows the storyline. And he's trying to buck against the storyline, but he can't, right? Like So just like if the Christian story is real of Revelation, right? That Satan would be trying to kill or destroy or dethrone God, mm-hmm. but that's all been written. And he's trying to undo that, right? But it's all been written before. So I think Raceland, which has been... But it's, it's the... Ra- Raceland has been, I think, in the last book, which we've seen him as being Satan. He's been homaged many times as Satan. W- which also drops into Milton and drops into Paradise Lost on how yes. when he went against the gods, he knew he... Or when he went against gods, Satan knew that he was going to be dropped out of heaven, but he did went through the actions anyway. Right. So you see this very fatalistic view of, of Raceland... No- uh, yeah, I don't know. It's we could. 
We could talk about it's, that it's one a long time. It's, it is yeah, paradoxical. Yes, it is. Very yes. much so. Yeah. But, but we, I like We that. do get a little bit of... I, the only thing that we have gotten that, that has made like me kind of okay with this is that Aston has crossed out stuff that he had written. Yes. What? Like, he had written it... The timeline is looks, changing slightly. Yeah. yeah. As it's going through, yes. Gray gem races, <laughs> so when so when you so when you show up back to the future, your dad's successful, your parents are rich, you got your new pickup truck to go bone your girlfriend at the lake, and, and the high school bully is just waxing the car, it, and, and you don't and you don't get into the car Butt accident, head. and you don't get in the car accident for being called a chicken. McFly, <laughs> McFly, you bojo. What are you, chicken? Hoverboards don't work on water. <laughs> wow. So. Thank you. So. War of the Twins. Moving on. <laughs> moving on. Chapter four. Uh, let's get the army crosses the Straits of Scalzi. Uh, whatever that means. We go on a boat ride. Yeah. Again, yep. again, we're just we're just kind of doing the vignettes of like, hey, what's the army doing? Where is it's moving? Where is it going? Right? Because yes. you get interesting it, little drops about the fact that they have to do many trips. They kind of some of the boats are kind of ramshackle. There's a couple guys on like rafts. That it's trying. It's trying through. to get that epic feel, right? Yeah. Uh, we we got to get the cattle across somehow. Hey, this we, would be a great scene in a movie. We get a we get a drop like scene. Yeah, a quick great scene of just everybody crossing. Move on. We we get a drop that the leader of the Hill Force is Rhaegar Fireforge, Flint's grandpa. Yeah, and it looks just like him, which is pretty cool. Um, and they're gonna have this banquet to seal the deal. I really liked this stuff, uh, mm. where where you have the Hill Dwarves coming in, you have the Plainsmen coming in, and you have Caramon, who is now acting like kind of a a very smart Solomon like character, which is going. I gotta get these guys to get together. How am I gonna do it? I've got a pit of mud. I like the got test. A, I've got a post. I've got a, a, a expensive axe and sword at the top. They each choose nine to come out and and try to get to that. And the and only way they can do it is if they work together. Well, nine. It it yeah. makes it seem like Caramon isn't just the dumb brute at this point. Yes. He actually has a good plan of building a relationship between the tribes that were hating each other. Which Margaret is going to say is what you're supposed to think about Caramon is that he's not dumb, but that he 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 thinks he processes very slowly. Okay. So he's thinking things through. Okay. I'm, I'm going to say that that doesn't always come through. I think that's kind of... No. There's no, been God, times no. he's been written as a as an oaf. Yes. Yeah. And there's been times where now like this, where he's very smart. I, I feel there's inconsistency in the writing of Caramon. But yes. whatever. Well, you know. he killed how many brain cells? <laughs> so yeah, he kind of yeah, I thought he just killed liver cells. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, but yeah, it's, no, it's, you, you, it's it, dwarf spirits for crying out loud, it, man! It pickles your entire body. Yeah, but I like this chapter. It's I a knew. lot of fun. But I knew know, as soon as, as soon as we went to this game and they described the game, I'm like, well, yeah, they got to work together to get the stuff. Yeah, but it was still fun to read. It was it was fun to read. I agree. So, uh, but chapter five, uh, the unity party with the dwarves and plainsmen. Um, one thing that I gotta ask here, guys, is uh, the 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 plainsmen have a lot of heavy Native American elements that mm -hmm. are kind of thrown in. The comics actually even make those more like like when in the comics they're pretty much just drawn as plains Native Americans uh, or oh. or actually more um, actually I'd say like more Anasazi or something Native Americans. They're very much which I think is very cool. Do you want to define that for the rest of us? Okay, so like say say like a Native American tribes from the yes. Southwest. Okay, okay. Let's say, um, living in more adobe structures. Okay, right. So, um, which I find very cool, a cool addition 
uh, to high fantasy. High fantasy tends to be very European centric. Well, and I think I think Hickman and Weiss do very well at making the parallels between North American, Native Americans, and the Plains folk, right? Without coming off being racist about it. I, I agree. Without without coming off, I, even though even though in this book all of the Plainsmen are right. interchangeable, right? And it's just a group of the Plainsmen. I still think throughout the whole series that we've read so far, they come off very well on not. I'm not making it racist. Right. I'm and not making it some sort of, you know, base trope where, you know, you learn years later that they were actually Italians that were dressed up in Plainsman well, garb. I, I agree. Yeah. Uh, what I think is cool is that, like, high source or high fantasy, I've always, and maybe this is just me, mm-hmm. but a lot of times when you read high fantasy mm-hmm. and you read about dwarves and elves and castles and all this, even though you know it's fantasy, it's another realm, you can kind of project it to mm-hmm. Europe. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Like you, you kind of go like, okay, this would all happen in Europe if this was actually mm-hmm. happening. You know, which kind of tends to leave out the rest of the world. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? What's smart about the Dragonlance universe is that they are able to bring in North America, bring in a whole group of Native Americans, and use them as being plainsmen, so that you could have Native American kids say reading Dragonlance and identifying with a group of people that are here, which I find very cool. I'm also going to say I think the reason Hickman did that is because Mormonism centers on uh, a lot of American uh, stuff. There you go. So he's bringing his high fantasy to yeah. America, which is exactly where Mormonism goes. But whatever, I do like that that inclusion. I will also throw out something here, because this has been in my head the entire time. Ooh. <clears throat> um, judging by what we've been told about the stature, and I know, it, I know it's different, but I almost feel like James Cameron <laughs> grabbed some uh, read Dragonlance at some point, or read something about the planes folk in, in the Dragonlance universe at some point, because they also come across very the alien, the Navi, the aliens from Avatar oh, to me as interesting. well. Yeah, 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 I agree with that. But I hear yeah, you. it's it's very and that was much after the timeline we're talking about. I, yeah. But it, on it, the set of Terminator Two, I believe <clears throat> that he had. This novel propped up, but it's still just <laughs> just the way they're described and like their cl- and the, their clothing. And yes, I know that a lot of that is Native American trope. But yeah, still, it, it, that's something that I constantly have thought about. Well, well, we've when we right. met the plane. And I think what's smart is that he makes like Gold Moon, who's not here, but Gold Moon blonde. Right, which is not me saying that that's like bad. Like, oh, you're using Native American but she tropes. She stands out because of that. She stands out because of that. you need to do it some way so it's they're not just Native Americans. You're also bringing them into this universe, yes. right? Yeah, so that's a very smart kind correct. of play. You could have you could have made them green or you right, know, right, 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 right. Like, which there is shapeshifters. Which have we ever come yes, down to that? Are these people green? The green people, the green. We, 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 she has green hair. Green hair. The painting has green skin. Yes. <laughs> It's just, it's just shading from the green Yes, hair. yes. You, the comics have green skin now. You, you grabbed my laptop oh, one day boy. and Googled it. Yes, I yeah. have seen the painting. The, yeah, and the comics have her green, green huh? too. But the, the book specifically just says hair. But whatever. Well, you know, if, if the comics, if the so lore says the it, we're doing it. <laughs> Let's get it back to the book. Why does this take okay, so, so we, long? We have the unity party. <laughs> Yep, that's fun. We dump sand from each vial into the middle sand we light from the same I candle, just went through a like wedding that. ceremony where I watched <laughs> <Yeah>. this. Same. <laughs> did, did, did they yeah, do the yeah, sand yeah, too? Yeah. Okay. Mm. Yep. 
That's very that's nice. Beautiful. That's beautiful. It is very that, beautiful. That's because too many people have been lighting themselves on fire lately doing the candles. Can I say that I do like the f the, the the flame? I do. See, I'm, I'm more I'm more akin to the flame. I I like the flame of passion more than this like pink and blue sand getting I went mixed to a, together. It feels like you're playing with play doh. To be very honest, I went to a wedding. <laughs> sorry uh, for all of our listeners that did sand. I'm I real went, sorry. I went to a <laughs> wedding where uh, somebody. They were chemists, and they used two different chemicals, and it changed colors, and eventually... It was really cool. That was the only... It's so a war of the twins. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get on to that. I did the candle I thing, and eventually that flame was snuffed out. <laughs> hot, hot and fast, baby. Hot and fast. Well, that's hilarious. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad my pain makes you <laughs> War of the twins. War of the twins. Unity party. We're done with the unity party. Yeah, they are we gonna have unity candles too? They exchange promise rings or whatever. Um, <laughs> hey, it's very nice yeah, promise rings. Dead. I'm dead. I'm sorry. Can you imagine? Just thinking about that. Can you imagine a dwarf planes person hybrid? No, not really. Just a, it, a super. It's just a super skinny buff dwarf, or it is the largest dwarf you have ever seen. Makes Karis look small. Right. So Karamon and and Raceland have this nice plan for the siege of Pax Tharsis. You know, Tharkis. Tharkis, sorry. Now I now I'm, it's happening to me. Um, you know, um, uh, fortress we saw way back in Autumn Twilight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Going back. Yeah. Um, under the cover of all of this noisy revelry that's going on, though, because so Caramon leaves, right? Goes back. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna go have the party with the boys, right? But Rayson then now does this meeting in secret with the three doer. Um, and they're this, this whole thing. Uh, I just I like this. This whole thing is. There are parts of this that are almost comical to me. Yeah. Just because Rayson's waiting in his tent, and I, I, I just see the, I just see like the three, the three doers like trying to sneak through in the dark and like running into each other and like looking around, but everybody's drunk and like just like they, the fake <laughs> douches. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, the long and short of it is, Rayson is going to give them thirty pieces of steel. I don't mm -hmm. know how many for the head of Caramon. Yep. And right. a note. And the head of Caramon. Right. Now, at this oh, point... Yeah, yeah. And the head of Caramon. I, at this point, I'm not thinking Raceland... Okay, I know Raceland's always evil. But I am... I don't actually believe Raceland's going to follow through with no, this. No, no, I don't either. I'm, yep. go, I'm, I'm like, he's playing the doer, and he's not going to actually let them take Caramon's head. Maybe I'm getting as naive as Caramon. No, I, I agree with like, you. I agree with you. Yeah, at this, at this point, I'm like, he still needs Caramon to get to it, he, beyond yes. that start. And after that whole them getting... Caught in the bunny traps and them having their little, t t you know, closeness. Mm. Smart move in that chapter because now, just like Caramon, I'm going, Raceland, you're not that evil. Oh, come on, buddy. You're acting evil, you e know, even but his, you're not. Even at his darkest, yeah. I don't think Raceland would kill Caramon. But he did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he did. He during his during his trials, he thought he killed yeah, Caramon. Yeah, he did. In order to get his magical power. Yeah. Okay, actively while we're reading about the character. I Not, but I I, I agree with you. But no, Luke. no, I, I still don't. If that's there's one thing so. that's kind of brilliant for all the issues that sometimes I have with uh, with these two authors is that they write Raceland in a way, and I think it's a testament to them that Raceland is such an enduring character, even though he's constantly doing heinous things. Yeah, he wouldn't actively kill him. Yeah. But no. he does, he's going to well, do no. some pretty bad stuff he's by the not, end of this. He's not going to blast him again because it hurt him so much to blast him, but he can sure arrange it. Yeah. No, no, I don't, I don't even think he would do that. 
I, that's just the way I feel. I, by, but by the end of this, kill book, me once, shame on you. Nah. Kill me twice, <laughs> won't get killed again. He was gonna do <laughs> it in three times. You can't but, kill but Luke, the killer. He was gonna do it in Istar, and he and he's going to by the end of this book as well. Bring offer up the head to the doer. I mean, he's going to by that offer. Well, he, he is killing them. Yeah, I, I feel, do you trust him? Yeah. I don't. Yes, I I don't trust him here. I no. believe he's playing no, the doer. He will play the doer. See, I but he will he, by the end of this book. He, he, he will try to. Ha- he doesn't care by well, the end of this book well, because okay. he has, he point, has no way to book. know at this yeah. point. In the at book, this is the point of the book. Yeah, yeah. He 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 has doing, no way to know what's going to happen at dinner here now, tomorrow night. True. He he <laughs> would not. He would not arrange this with the doer. He's playing the doer at this point. Like where my mind is at right now. Right. He would arrange this with the doer to screw them over. Right. Um, I think that. If Caramon were to die, Raceland might not care too much, but I think if he was a part of it, like he, he would not, or he would not be a part of it. He wouldn't yeah. arrange for the death. He wouldn't. I get it. So he him. he wouldn't actively himself do it. No, no. But but if Caramon died, he's the master of past right. and present. Right. People, he wouldn't prevent people, it. People die. Yeah. He wouldn't right. prevent it, but and he would not intervene if yeah. it happened. He would uh, go, okay. See, and there would be another interesting side story. You know, Caramon actually does die. Mm. And then all of a sudden he's... Re- and then Raceland can't live with himself. And he can't, you know, all of a sudden we find out Raceland has a heart. And, oh my god, I can't believe I did that. Uh, and now we have, like, zombie Caramon as <laughs> Raceland's pet. Well, like the end of Shaun of the in like, Dead. In yes. like, you know, <laughs> yes, exactly. In, like, the late 90s, Dark Horse... Dark Horse did Star Wars comics that were called Star Wars Infinities that were, like, alternate storylines. Mm. So maybe we could have some Dragonlands the old, the old, Infinities. The old Marvel What If. Uh, yeah, there you... Ooh, there you go. Bring, Mar- a, bring a Watu into the uh, into the uh, Dragonlance universe. Yeah. Marvel team ups. Caramon, Soth, go. go. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, um, we we go from here to chapter six, which is again. I like this uh, this build up of the battle on the battlements of Pax Tharkis, um, which I've been trying to get to for the last like for, hour because this is where <laughs> where Karis has shaved his beard yeah, and yes. looks like look at, like a giant dwarf thumb. Uh, you know, <laughs> who's this thumb? Who is this thumb face uh, standing on the? You've got less whiskers than my <laughs> seven-year-old sister. Yeah, um, <laughs> I really, li- I really like this scene because if there's one thing I felt in in Chronicles, it didn't always come through this this idea, the feeling of a large scale battle. Yeah. Or they really short shrifted the, the large battles. Oh yeah, this is this definitely and we and we we've ra- we've ragged on Dragonlance in the past about not having that Lord of the Rings feel to it. Yes. This, this. is this is that large battle Lord of the yeah. Rings feel. And I feel that the reason that is is because hey, listeners, you know, those who love it, take me to test. They didn't do in Chronicles a very good job of outlying large battles. No, you know, they didn't. you know, prove me wrong, but you can't because they didn't do a good job. We didn't. We didn't get the. Yeah. We we got the. We got the. What's really popular like now right. when we do battle right. scenes is we got in the original chronicles we got those those individual fight quick cut scenes right like, like even in Infinity War yeah where we're it's not we don't get the the overall, overall look big no. token no. picture of it yeah it was Whereas done very they poorly. do they do very well at at even writing like right. token here at giving us the storming of the keep here right like Psycho. Right, where you thought you saw her getting stabbed. When you were 12, you thought you saw these giant battles. Yeah. Yeah. But, it, but it, it wasn't described very well. But here they, they have rectified all that. And this has done really well. And again, well. 
Kind of a classic, kind of a classic scene. A scene that's done a lot, but you get the. I mean, this is very riding up to the gates of Troy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you get the four leaders who ride out to who ride up to the gates to basically surrender before we kill you. And they as them shoot all the arrows I and race and like flames all the arrows. I like out, that part, which there is was, awesome. There wasn't much honor. It was just okay. We're gonna kill you right now and shoot the like, arrows. Which and it's like uh, all right. I really well. like that because that's so how it should be. Yeah, exactly. Right? Like, hey, there's all their leaders standing under our gates. Shoot them. Yeah, get rid of them. Love it. It'll Love solve it. all that's of our issues. Be. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But Raceland's uh, has yeah. some fun. Yeah. Um, the yeah. battle's really fierce, uh, which which I really like. Um, but again, it's fierce and it feels big. We get a couple quick yeah. cuts of individual battles, but I also feel that we we do get an overall picture here of the of foot soldier number two going into battle as well. The one thing that I feel is a weird cut here um, that is done. It's it's fun. I enjoy it, but at the same time, it's an odd choice. Is there's a lot here with the high gug, and like all of his garbage dwarves. Uh, um, Stabbing each other and like I, I like this because they said the they gave wars. them pikes because like they figured that they gave them pikes because they figured that you can't hurt yourself you with a pike. Yet, yet <laughs> they, oh, do. they find a way. By the time the battle starts, there's six de- there's six dead garbage fragles there. But half of them are holding them backwards. But doggone it, King Duncan said, "Stand here and hold this position." So he's gonna stand there and hold that right. position. <laughs> right. Some of them are stabbing each other in the back. It's, I, it's and this harkens back to when we were in the dwarf senate scene, yeah. and the poor gully dwarf. Nobody <laughs> told him to, he was told to stay in his chair, and nobody told him to get out of his chair. So he's there for like <laughs> yep. three days after the senate meeting. <laughs> oh, gully dwarves! I, I do love it. I do love it. Um, so Karis tells Duncan the doers have betrayed them and are holding the gate, which was part of the plan Raceland had, right? That the doers were going to hold the gate open for them. Correct. Um, right. And so, which, which I really like, um, Duncan pretty much, you know, Dunk or Karis says, yeah, it's time to retreat. And Duncan's like, well, I'm not retreating. And Karis just knocks him out. Yeah. He mm-hmm. just beats him and... Knocks him out, throws him over his shoulder, and runs to the Griffins. And this is where the and Griffins And this is where the Griffins in. come That's in. it. The only time the Griffins are in the book. Dun, dun, but dun, here dun, it is. Dun. I feel like that... We better cut. put him on the cover. You know, if you're going to put a Griffin on the cover, he is getting... While the battle of Pax Starkus is going on, he's getting esco- or carried away by a Griffin. How cool would that cover have been with a giant epic battle scene... With well, with Raceland I mean, and every and Caramon leading this battle and him being flown off by a griffin. There is, instead there, of, is there is a little fella on the. <laughs> is, is there really? a little fella oh, on God, there? You got you got to squint. So is on it? the cover there is a little fella. Oh, there is there is a dwarf riding the griffin. Really? Well, there you go. A uh, a blo- <laughs> It's very small. All you see is, oh, all yeah. you see is a little bit dwarf. Does fella. he look like a thumb? <laughs> He doesn't have a beard. He doesn't have a beard. Yeah. Way to go. I think it would be better if there was a more battle on that. More of the battle on the cover. No, All let's it is put Tasselhoff is and spoil ta- a part of the book. Yeah. All there is Tass. Yeah. Well, I Tass feel isn't it. here yet. I feel epic battles always, it makes it feel grander. Yes. So, which is always a So, good yes. Idea. Great battle. Good battle. We go through here. We take Pax Tharkis. Yes, let's just yeah. Cut to the quick. Pax Tharkis is taken. Pax Tharkis, but all the all the or most of the most of the dwarf officers made it out on Griffins. Right, right. Um, what we should say yeah, we have a bunch of dead gully dwarves who didn't move from their spot right. like they weren't supposed to. And right. Raceland shows a little bit of emotion, but only to the readers. And I'm not. This is not. This is not me knocking anything. But one person who has disappeared a lot from this narrative now right now is Chrysania. Oh yeah. She goes away yeah. a lot. She doesn't have a place. She doesn't need to be here. True. And Weiss and Hickman are much better uh, in this in these 
But they do throw her in here because she's the nurse. They keep keep throwing her in. And what I like is she needs to be buried back because the army thinks she's a witch. So she can't can't be around. She can't openly nurse. She can't openly heal. So she's kind of just quietly going around and... (laughs) She can't openly nurse. (laughs) (laughs) So she can't openly heal. She's sneak... She's essentially bopping around sneak healing. To the point where... People to the point where some of these soldiers are thinking that they saw angels come down to ba- basically angels come down right. to be. Yeah, this, she light. becomes legendary. Yeah, this is right. a story right. here. The legend. And many and yes, yeah. and many of them don't even realize it's her though. Yeah, mm-hmm. this is how the stories of angels and people like that, the healers came back to right. them, where it's like, oh, well, something. Wit and which all of a sudden comes to your previous idea, Bob. Mm-hmm. Well, if all these bright lights are coming down to heal us from the gods. We must be on the side of right. I, I really like this, that all of this is going, uh, fueling into Chrysania's mind that, yeah, Pal- Paladine is listening to me, and we're going to get to it. And even the soldiers. Even the soldiers, but yeah, that, that they're, they're with us. We're going to have Rayson also having his own little moment. Um, I do like that this is a side story that's constantly going on with Rayson and his connection to the Gully Dwarves, mm-hmm. and he sees the bodies of the Gully Dwarves. And what I like is that when I first read it, I'm going, oh, wow, Raceland really has a heart. Like, he's finding the gully dwarf. He sees the gully dwarves are dead, and that affects him. And so he kind of has emotion about it, but at the same time, then he shuts that down and is like, that means my plan might work because history is changing. Yeah, there was, there was no, no mention of, no the, gully mention of the gully dwarves. Because but, nobody cared about yeah, the gully yeah, dwarves. That's, and that's exactly. what he comes in up to eventually, is he goes, wait. Nobody would ever care about right. them. And right. we ha- but we also have this moment. We ha- this moment harkens back to you know the whole um, Raceland's time with the Gully Dwarves before, and the whole well, I was picked on. Everybody hated me, and so that's why he's been kind to these people that everybody else hated, and yeah. everybody else picked on. Because again, we 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 almost get it borderlines getting almost after school, especially here. A little bit, yes. But it pull it pulls back it pulls back right away. Right. But it's like I'm like, oh God, no, please don't make it. Well, they were bullied. Please don't make this about bullying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, so we bamf into chapter seven. Caramon is, is awakened. We find out Raceland's taking his army and crossing the plains of Deergoth. Uh, uh, boss, <laughs> boss, the army leaving. The mage took everybody else. We yeah. should probably go. Uh, this is going to start for me uh, some issues, not issues that are, are going to play into my enjoyment of the book, but questions that I have about Karaman and his character and his arc that's going on here. Uh, Karaman supposedly is coming into his own and being his own man. What we find out here is Karaman knows what's going on with his brother. He knows mm-hmm. that his brother cares nothing for the people that he's leading. He cares nothing for the war. Well, no, he's leaving without supplies. Yeah, I know. He says that uh, that for Karaman, it's like a knife cutting ties to his brother, right? Well, I'm like, Karaman was brought to a point of wanting to kill his brother. Yes. We've reestablished some of those ties because they hung out and got caught in a rabbit trap but together. But see, I like the imagery. I like the imagery, and I have to believe this is Margaret here. Yeah. I have to believe this is Weiss here, because I do like that imagery of the 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 ties being cut or the ties yes. being broken, because you can almost feel that, like, sinewy connection, and, like, right. the and like you cut through the first tie, and it, like, ravels back. And, and it's releasing. And you cut yeah. through the next tie, and it ravels back. And then it almost, and then like one gets like hastily almost tied on again and then slips again so that I do really like the imagery that she puts into that. What I am slightly disappointed, I, I, and I, I like this book very, well, very much, but what I'm disappointed about is we have a book called War of the Twins, right? 
and I'm still set, sitting with Caramon being a stooge to his brother. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, he is still it, being the same Caramon from, from the Chronicles, and I'm like, all of this actually works out to be a very cool story, but it might have even been amplified more if this would have actually been a war of the twins. It seemed like Caramon... And Caramon would have been actively trying to stop his brother this entire time. Yeah. And he would have not been such a stooge to him. I'm not more... I'm not figuring anymore why is Caramon still so beholden to Raceland when Caramon seems like he has such a moral compass as a center and Raceland is just constantly doing what is wrong. Like, it feels like there's a breaking point that needs to come And we've built up here... So much. Just go off the title thing that you yeah. were talking about, Bob. We've built up here so much on, yeah, we're going to war, we're going to war. All right, here's our first battle. I'm like, we're three quarters of the way through the book right now. Yeah. If not more. Right. And I'm like, okay, so the rest of the book is going to be war. Yeah. And it's going to be all the twins take on all. Yeah. Yeah, that doesn't happen. No. Not, no. No. We get one battle. Yep. Right. In honesty, if I could, in I'm not the one making millions, so I'm wrong. But uh, if 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 I were if I were the one to have named these books, War of the Twins would have been the last one. Okay. Because you're amping that up. Test of the Twins actually sounds kind of lame, right? Like, oh, they're sitting down at desks and taking some scantrons. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like it's 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 not as grandiose. Yeah. Right? Like you build up this should be their test. Their test of their faith in each other or their love for each other. And, and the, so the next book, so they're, the either next book go, they're either gonna go to war together to take everything over to right. win the day, or they're gonna go to war with each other. Right. Yeah, I, I like those. Ideas. I like, yeah. Right. Switch the title. You like need that. to switch that around so that the last one is the grandiose one. It's the apocalyptic one. It is the war of the yes. twins. We had time in the first one yes. because that's all about time. This one was supposed to be all about war, and right. it's all about the setup to war and a battle. When actually, I do feel like, and granted, the next one will be a test, but uh, that this one is a test. It's a test of their brotherly love for each other. So I kind of feel like it's a test on how far Raceland can push Caramon. Yeah, (laughs) and he can put still push him all over the front yard in his power wheels. And I don't like that. (laughs) I I am going to have to agree with you. Where Caramon, it seems like he has just gone back to the Chronicles at this point. Yeah, I'm worried about that. He hasn't had an arc. He has survived. I mean, he's gone through the whole again. through all of his alcoholism and everything else, and come out of it, and again, that's you know, and see, I not feel as great as it. I feel I feel a trapped Caramon here. Yeah. Okay. A, yeah. Very, a very a very trapped. Car- I'm not in my own timeline. I'm not. <laughs> um, I don't know whether my brother is really going to try to defeat all the evil in the world, or if he's just going to be a worse evil, or what's going on here. This is. Th- Crap! If I take uh, the only thing I know how to do right now is try to take care of my men. Right, right. Because they're because they're scared of Raceland and they're gonna follow his orders. So I see I see a lot of this, especially after Pax Tharkas, right. as Caramon basically trying to put himself between his oh. men and Raceland. Okay, right. that helps me a little bit. Yeah, I, I do like that. I do like that, and I love the visuals here of the army surging across the plain with no Caramon. supplies. Yeah, yeah. Wait, well they'll catch up in a couple days. Yeah, I, right away, as soon yeah. as the dude said that, I'm like, no, there won't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like this. But what I like is the imagery here of Raceland is at the back, and we get the vision, of, vantage point of Michael, who has been left in Pax Tharkis, and he sees that Raceland, this black, evil death, 
is riding now behind the army instead of before the army. Which I, see, I, I like that. This would have been a great opportunity. They always talk. Raceland favors this black horse that he's been riding yes. for most of the time here. Yeah. This would have been a great opportunity to, for whatever reason, after this battle. When he's following the army, when he leads, or when he pushes the army out and he's following the army out after, this would have been the perfect time to put death upon a pale horse. Oh! Mm. The, oh <laughs> with the apocalypse imagery. Gosh, oh. Hick, no, Hick, I think, that's a, little too, I think a, that's a little too on the nose. Hick, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's... We're still, yeah, yeah. we're still death riding a horse. Yeah. I mean, and on. the discs is Mashiko and we're really <laughs> And we're really pushing hard on the on the 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 uh, personification of death, Grim Reaper references here. Oh, really yeah. For sure. And are the excuse me the revelation apocalypse four horsemen death is a personification. Which again, of death. that was some of my favorite stuff from the last book. I loved that it was some sort of like egg that I was peeling back layers on and trying to suss that all out. So I did love all of that. Oh you know, god! Like, I just I just thought of something. Hmm. So we have Raceland who's death. Yes. We have Caramon leading. The, we have Caramon leading the army, which would be war. We right. have the plague, which would be pestilence. We have the fact that we're going to be running out of food soon, which runs into famine. famine. Oh my God! The four horsemen of the apocalypse. The four horsemen of the apocalypse. Oh, oh very good. Yo, good one. Wow. Chapter eight. Um, oh my gosh! Really quick. There's an annotation at the beginning of this mm -hmm. one. One of our biggest problems from the Chronicles is at the beginnings of every chapter that they, they, would, away the they would give away. Here's what <laughs> it says. Margaret says, The reader will note that in Chronicles we wrote the titles in every chapter but did not do so in Legends. Uh, the main reason for the chapter titles uh, were that they were discontinued was that we discovered it sometimes took more time to write the titles than it did the chapter because we had to make them intriguing yet be careful not to give anything away. <laughs> well, you, ob you, you, you obviously did. You obviously forgot the second part. Yeah, you failed, failed at that. Failed in that. <laughs> but, but to be fair, probably in the first parts of the book you were okay with that, but yeah. the second part of the book, Flint dies. Right. Ah! But at, through chapter 8 we find out what we had talked about earlier. The army marches on its stomach, right? Which is this saying. Correct. And we're eating, we're eating, we're eating, un and the, again, we're eating unleavened bread and jerky here. Yeah, I mean, they're all hungry and thirsty and it sucks. What I think is cool, We can't find water holes. There's these mounds that are in the desert, and what we find out is these mounds are like weird connecting tunnels that go between, right, is it Pax Tharkis and, uh... Zamalang of the... No, the, the, Zaman, all the way to right? Thorbarn. All the way to Thorbarn. Right, but yeah, also they, go to Zaman. There was right? a, there was a rumor that the or not a rumor. I guess there was history that the dwarves could travel from Pax Tharkis all right. the way to the. But other now area a lot of now a lot of them have fallen in yeah, disrepair. Fallen in, but right. we we find out that you're able to use this. Karis comes up with this awesome idea about using these tunnels to set up an assassination technique. He busts an old thief out of prison to go do it because this guy evidently is the, the dwarf rangefinder. Right. And <laughs> here we have the assassination happening, um, that's right? Gonna be four, that's going to be four, 14, uh, 1,400 steps from right here to get right under his dinner table. Right. Okay. Right. But I love this. Night falls. They're sitting in their tent, right? We have Caramon, Raisin, Chrysania. They're all just sitting around eating, right? The Last Supper. And then all of a sudden, pff, right, the... The ground opens up, the doers come out, um, there's a bunch of fighting that's going on, they're there to kill Raceland, right? They're yes. there to yeah, that assassinate was the doers. Raceland. That was not yes. the doers that came out, that was the mountain oh, no, dwarves. I'm sorry, mountain dwarves. Mountain dwarves. Yeah, mountain dwarves. Right, mountain dwarves. Karis loses his hammer but picks up a sword, stabs Raceland through the guts, they Love knock Karaman out, and they disappear. This but, is a fantastic uh, and, scene. And during this, 
The reason, the only reason they were able to do this, remember, is because Raceland had Raceland basically like le- like floated down in the hole on his feet and is like, oh, I'm gonna crush these bastards, yeah. and then all of a sudden, poof, poof Taz ex machina. Oh, the Tass and Nymph show up, and Raceland looks down and goes, what the hell? And that's when he gets stabbed. And then stabbed. he gets stabbed. Right, right. So we're into chapter nine. We continue this action uh, and, uh, and all that. So eight and nine kind of flow together, right? Uh, but Raceland lies dying in his tent of yes. a belly wound. Don't, you know, let me die, let me die, let me die. Chrysenia convinces him to be healed. She heals him. Right, right. This is an interesting except chapter. For, except for the fact that Tass and Nimsh were grabbed and kidnapped by the mountain dwarves right. on their way out the door, on their way back out the door. Of course they were, since when has Taz ever had a without Car- But and again, without Caramon yeah. or Crisania seeing them because they were knocked out. Well, and this was mm. this scene was where Caramon kind of came in and was like, "No, you are getting healed. You are doing this to Raceland, correct? Right. right. Yes. And Raceland dies. I think we're supposed to take this. Just Race- let me die. Raceland dies. Sees Paladine, right? Does he not have a vision? Of I kind of have. I kind of have the feeling that this I don't really he know had, what he happens had, he had here. A vision. This is sure. this is yeah. this is Hick, this is Hickman, or maybe it might be Weiss, but this is the White Light. Yeah. This oh is, yeah. This is the I. I almost died, and I felt myself coming out of my body. I saw the White Light, and then all of a sudden, I'm not dead yet. I'm not dead. It was. Right. It wasn't my time. Right. Yeah. Mm. So I don't think he died, but he was on his way. Right. I'm, and this is awesome. On death's door. Because Raceland has died, been brought back by Chrysania. But this is kind of what I needed. Because this is now going to fuel Chrysania. That why is Chrysania going to follow through all this yeah. crap to the end? Well, I prayed it, for it and Paladine healed him, so this must be the correct if, path. If, yes, if, if Paladine healed Raceland, then what Raceland is doing is correct. Yep. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that, you're right, you're right. Yeah. Yes. And so my motivations... For Raceland and Crisania have no issue. I only have issues with sometimes with Caramon's mm. motivations, you know. But um, which I like this. Caramon just wants to go home. <laughs> he <laughs> wants to go back to Tika. Well, he wanted Tika. To, yeah, he right. wanted his buxom barmaid. Exactly. So and we're on to chapter ten. Duncan and Karis meet in Duncan's home, and Duncan says that the dark wizard has survived. And uh, Karis goes to question the Kender and the Gnome because the Ken we didn't say. Yeah, they they were kidnapped. They were thrown. They're thrown in the dungeon with the plague written dwarf. Rest of the, the doers, 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 deer. Yeah, doers. <laughs> yeah. Which every time I look at them, like, are they made of uh, scotch? Is that is doers scotch? I, I, I think so. I think <laughs> doers so. is scotch. I believe. It is. So Taz, we find out a little bit more of this device, right? The device that was fixed by Nimsh. It was calibrated so that it could return to Raceland. Caramon. Um, Caramon. Or Return to Caramon. Return to Caramon. Yeah, it, yeah. it would. It would always. If, if you turned it on, it would bring you to Caramon, which right. is why they showed up at that point. Um, and then he said, "I love the gnomes. I, the I gnomes just, got it hidden. Taz gets mugged and loses I, all his pouches." Well, I do have to bring this up. I love it because race or uh, um, which Tass- has got to be heartbreaking for the Kender. Tassel, when somebody steals your pouches. Tasselhoff says that he wishes somebody smart like. Um, Tannis? Tannis was there. Oh, oh yeah, remember? Oh. Hey, hey, you remember Tannis from the first book? <laughs> who, Smart. Who, who screwed us all, that, all the time? That's been, that's been Tass's thing, though. Like, he, yeah, he, oh, yes. he's always looked up, looked up to, like, how Tannis can handle a situation. Or Flint. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I, I do love yeah. the fact that... Just anybody but me. <laughs> I, I, I do love the fact, too, that it's always referred... Essentially, it's always referred to... Uh, 
Tass's Tass conscience. Right. Being Flint. Yeah. Yes. Flint is his. That is. Will, his that reason. is a. That is. That was a good idea that they continue to carry through. That every time he needs that little, you know, that that little boost from the good part of your soul, or that little that little conscious moment from your mind, his 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 inner conscience, his his inner Jiminy Cricket is Flint, Flint, and I think that's perfect. We'll even see that audibly. Almost, he hears Flint's yes. voice yeah. by the end of this. I, I I do love this. And the other thing that I love is as they're being lowered into the lower parts with the doer, you have Tass who's like, wow, this is all really interesting. And you have Nimsh who's like, <laughs> sitting there diagramming Diag- how to improve And this. how you can improve this, make it like, a, like you know, steam-powered, and could we have like a calliope player? Yeah. Have a, have <laughs> like a elevator music. Sitting in the corner going, do, 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 do. Because every every elevator everywhere has to have Girl of Ipanema playing it. Yep. yep. I I just love it. Um, yeah, but they are taking to these lower levels where the doer live, and then what you were talking about, Club, uh, in Chapter Eleven happens where they get assaulted. Uh, Taz pouches they're cut. Why does Taz still have his pouches if he is you know a captive? Because he's a kinder. Well, they, they always have pouches. No, they took. No. They cut them off them. The the doer the, the doer, doer cut them off, and they're full the of crap. They start pulling yeah, everything. The doers out of them. in the, the cell cut them off. Them. Yeah, I. That's an excellent question. If, My, you, if you were good guards, you would have taken the kinder's pouches because I guarantee the kinder's got a lockpick in his pouches. My, and my if you only, were corrupt guards, you'd be a lot richer. My only fix for this is this is kind of prison, but not really. It's more like you're exiling them to be with the doers. So you're like, ah, take your crap. It doesn't matter. Like yeah. the doers. Will yeah, you're so you're so far deep. They had to go. They had to go yeah. over the river. They had to go over the river sticks to essentially. Yeah. Get in yeah. yeah. I mean, that's what I'm gonna say is why are these guys not searched and why is all this stuff on them? I, I don't. Who know. did you take off? In the dwarven army, <laughs> that this is your post oh. to guard. Oh god, this sucks. <laughs> yeah, that would be that would be bad. That that would be a listening right. station in Alaska. Yeah, but exactly. hey, our time scepter is still around. Nimsh still has it, and now it's weirdly it's collapsed to the size of a pendant, and he's got it in his boot. No, it was always that size. Well, no, it was. It no. said it said that the time that the time thing could change. It changes, shape. and yeah. it, so it change specifically size. says at this point it has collapsed down now yeah. to a, something the size of a now, pendant. Here's the question: Is it still the time time machine? <laughs> is it still a or time is wand? It now a time amulet or a time? Do you think there's a saddle on it? <laughs> <laughs> so racelet. Thank you. I Taz feel like it looks up. like a pendant that looks like a small, short <laughs> so racelet pop can. <laughs> Tass figure Tass figures out that um, it's the pendant from Waxwork. Um, now uh, <laughs> Tass figures out that oh god, these guys have the plague. Right, we're in a cell with a bunch of guys who have the plague. Yeah, did I mention they have the plague? <laughs> By the way, stay away from them because they have the plague. Which is important because it's going to come up. It later. is. It right. is. But yeah. it is really hammered. It home is here. really hammered home. They want to make sure that the twelve-year-old readers don't miss the fact that the doer have the plague. And all of a sudden, Raceland Ra- Raceland appears in here and freaks the hell out of the plague-ridden crazy doers. This is an intense Wait, scene. Yes. Do this the, is the, intense. The doers have the plague. Yes. <laughs> hey, readers, uh, the doer have the plague. Deers. Deers. You so race more doers? Grabs Taz. Bam! Grabs is holding, Taz. It, it wants to know where the device is. He's holding him like Vader up in the air, right? Yeah. Where He asks him where the device is. What's in the box? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I feel... I'll just go with that. 
Wow. We're losing it, guys. We're losing it. Okay, we're we're crashing here. All right, ask them where the device is. Taz gets the device from Nimsh, at which point once once Raceland gets the device from Nimsh, he force lightnings Nimsh to death. Okay, uh, yeah, we. This I mean, is brutal. We we've got to talk about this. This, I mean, this is really intense. Hey, Raceland is just a nice, caring guy who happens to randomly murder. No. Well, he yeah. was told that a gnome was going to screw up his plans. Yeah, a gnome with a yeah. time device is going to get you killed. Yeah, right. Yes. Nope, I'll kill him first. Down. Yeah, yeah, which is, which is good. So yeah, he's he's eliminating the gnome from the thing. But he is. What but... we will find out, right? Uh, so we can talk about it now. Raceland believes. That Tachesis somehow has fixed this device or this right, and he, he doesn't he, know that Nim. He thinks he he thinks the prophecy stated that the gnome was going to use the device at the same right. time. So he kills Not it. Not that the gnome had. It was the gnome's device. Since it was the no, since it was the gnome's fixed device. Right. He doesn't think that. Oh, maybe the gnome fixed it. Kay. He thinks the gnome is going to use it at the same time that he yeah. has. Right. Right. So right. by. Killing the, the gnome. gnome, he's eliminated that from he's the equation. He's eliminated that from his equation, and that's what. But when he is about, to, and we'll get there. But when he he's about to go through the portal, he is sitting there, and he he says something about how he thinks the time portal or the the time scepter was fixed by Tachesis, and when he realizes that Nimsh had fixed it. Then he realizes that the prophecy is back. And why did he think Tachesis had anything to do with this thing? I think it was. He didn't think that they would that there was any. Why doesn't he think this leave? is Parsalians? This this came from Parsalian. Like why doesn't he I, think this is just a Par, Parsalians thing? I think he, I just thought that it was, and I think he thought that because he had he had already he had already killed the Parsalian plan when he had Taz right. destroy. But when he had well, the it's, parts it's the fact that Tachesis has so much power. That's what he thought. It was just Tachesis. There's no way they could has redone the this. She's throwing, she's throwing the Kender and the gnome in my yeah. way in order to make in order that to Jesus make this. Exactly. Screw me on. Exactly. Yes. Okay. Okay. All right. So cool. and then he disapp- and then he disappears out of there with Tass. Right into the dungeon. This makes it awful. I mean, I feel horrible oh, yeah. for Tass. Yeah. I mean, Nimsh has been his friend, and Taz has to see Raceland kill him. I mean, Raceland's a real jerk during all of this, and then then takes Taz and pretty much is going to torture Taz remember, for the next three chapters. Taz has the plague. Remember how I yeah, said? Right. Remember how I said that Weiss and Hickman do dark well? Yeah, they did this. They well. did all of Ta- this really well. Tass Things get very compelling. Tass with the plague being tortured by Raceland. This is, is awful. Done very well. This is all horrible. Really horrible. Especially after reading Chronicles and <laughs> even the even yes. Raceland was always on the side, but he was part of the crew. I mean, they were part of the crew together. They had hung out together before that. They had, you know. Well, this really we, paints Raceland as such a sociopath. Yeah. That yes. He, he he has just he he is so disconnected from his feelings, and it, it's only gonna mount on and top so, of each and other. And so ungodly diabolical with the fact that he brings Chrysania down to yeah. heal him. To heal, to work on healing Tass, and says, "Well, he's got the plague, so he's had some dreams and their ramblings." Whereas Tass is just speaking the truth. Yes, here. yes. But he has Chrysania so snowblind here as well that she thinks that it's just the the fever dreams. Yeah, right. It's, he, she thinks, "Oh, it's it's just you'll be fine. Raceland's here to help you." And then as soon as she leaves, I'm gonna kill you, maybe. Yeah. And then yeah. we get to this whole, you know, where where Tass is. He's been. He's been some. He's in the process of being healed here, and pulls. You know, racing. Racing gets on top of him essentially, and like, you know, Tass. Tiki. Tiki's has had a. Tiki. She had a message for you. 
Oh, this is and, great. And, I love and this. And I love go, this. Come home. Right. And this just, and then we get this whole like, and then we get this whole back in time matrix butterfly effect yeah. ba- um, flashback here to, and I'm going to say this right now to uh, his mother, to Raceland's yeah. mother, actually all three of their mothers, because they, they, it was just that Kitty uh, right. had a different father. So when she mm-hmm. died, Raceland, her last word, or Raceland's last words to her were come home. Were come, come home. home. Because she, she got lost in her magic. Right. And she essentially went, schizophrenic from her from not being able to control her own magic yeah. yeah and I've been watching and there's going there's at least one listener here who is going to understand this I've been watching way too much criminal minds lately and this oh. is dr. Reed and his mother yes <laughs> yes it doesn't have to be a listener I've watched it and I agree <laughs> holy cow yeah wow. that's good but absolutely and just Heart, and after we've after we've gone through, we just watched Raceland zap Nish. Yeah, we've watched him torture plague written Taz, manipulate Chrysania, manipulate Chrysania, uh, and now we go to young, and now we go to broken hearted young Raceland, that, right, and right. it's just I don't know where my emotions are supposed to be right, right now. Right. This is the part where I start to derail just slightly because I love seeing Raceland. Uh, and this stuff with his mother, but at the same time, I don't know if this is enough for me yeah. at this point to exonerate the evil that I've seen Raceland Oh, it's do. not. It's this is not. This is the the whole, like, I was created because of my parents. That's why I'm a mass murderer kind of thing. Like, you know, like, well, if Hitler would have only gone to art school, he wouldn't have killed all these people. <laughs> you know, like... <laughs> you don't end genocide. <laughs> <laughs> you know? You him once, don't worry. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, I feel this is put in here for us to still try to empathize with Raceland, and if you're an angsty teen or or something, you're going to be okay with this. Like, he's just misunderstood. The people who go into, like, death row inmates and, it, and are and like, talk about why you butchered 20 people. Like, those people might really latch onto this. For me, this is like, you know what? Uh, no, Raceland needs his head separated from his shoulders uh, yes. at this point. You know? I'm not, argue- I'm not yeah. arguing with you at this. Yeah. But again, this lends humanity to Raceland. Yes, it does. It doesn't excuse anything. No, I agree. It doesn't excuse anything, but again, this lends some humanity to Raceland. The depth depth of... We've seen his depth of evil emotions felt. Right. This... We've talked about how... We don't. We've never really understood the brotherly dynamic between them, other than the fact that they're brothers and they were in the womb together. Yada yada right. yada. This gives race. This gives at some point in his life. This gives Raceland tragic emotion. Right. I, it doesn't I, excuse right. anything. I one hundred percent agreed with you. I hundred percent. And again, because this goes back to even you know. Uh, you know, I'm railing on this. This would go exactly though back to my favorite series, Star Wars, where. Luke is trying to bring Darth Vader back from the dark side. That's even yeah. worse, where oh, yeah. he has destroyed Definitely. entire Definitely planets, yeah. millions of people, you know. So, you know, I mean, I'm not saying that is like a, well, I hate it because of this, but, you know, I'm not necessarily with it. Yeah, and this is a whole Tachesis just, again, uh, uh, the picture we've had in Tachesis that is so different here from the manic Tachesis that we had right. in the Chronicles. And like I said, just that that proper woman who has the plan. And you want to challenge me? Yeah, right. Well, then come home and let's do this. Right. I, I really like I really like all of this. Um, well, come, and I know 
I, at this point, I think, Bob, was this the point where you were texting uh, us? And, no. Okay, was that later on? Later. Okay, yeah. okay, later, later on. This well, uh, the final chapter. Final this chapter? Was, yeah, okay. the final two. Um, chapter 13, so upon hearing the Dark wor- Queen's words from Taz, Raceland screams, runs out of the door, uh, I mean, this breaks him, and we have that montage back, or we will have the montage back. Um, but Taz is free. Like, he just leaves Taz there on the table, the torture table. So Taz is able to get up, walk out of there, right? He comes But up. he's still... I mean, the dude just the dude just came off the plague. So I do like the description. My legs don't work. Yeah. Hey, and you're then supposed he, to work. And I love that he, he walks up to a group of dwarves and is like, uh, so Raceland just, like, ran away. <laughs> Ray, uh, do, you, do, you, do you know what happened to Raceland? Have you seen Caramon? Do you know what's going... And they take off. I like, love it. Oh god, I, it's a dude with a plague. Yeah. <laughs> they don't want to be near. That's him. what's saving him is that he's got the plague. Like thank or god he had he, it or he had it. Thank god for that because that's why he's getting off so easy. Now, right? Did he actually have the plague? I don't know because I'm he's never healed from it, right? Or does Chrysania does? Chrysania heals does. him, but I kind of took that as him. I kind of took that as Raceland sadistic I'm going to heal you some, and then I'm going to, to play Chrysania to play with Chrysania. Yeah, that's I, 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 that's I, what I took. I it can as. see that. I took it as you're you're in a cell. Okay. You're not magic, right. and you're in right. a cell with the plague. Yeah, right. with a, you're in the cell with fifty other dudes who have the plague. There's a good chance you're going to catch the plague. And I, and I guess it probably doesn't matter because okay. Rayson's going to play it either way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So so it probably really doesn't. Man. But no, I didn't even think about that. That's yeah. I just I that's what I took it as. It was I, plane. And I, I and I did feel tinges of I haven't gotten enough information out of him yet, so I need to keep him alive, yeah. Yeah. which is why he brought Chrysani in here. Yeah. And I feel if it was Raceland strictly torturing him and trying to bring him back, Raceland would have had much more control on how deep mm. he sent him in and I wouldn't agree. need Chrysania to bring him back. Okay. But a good thing Taz gets to run out because he runs into these mountain dwarves where their leader Argat. Uh, the leader of the doer is talking about how he's going to go get the head of Caramon. Uh, you know, and all that stuff. So Taz was I, I have to warn Caramon. Yeah. So I feel like he said that a lot in these books. Well, yeah. I have to go tell Caramon. He hasn't, warn Caramon. He hasn't yeah. been with Caramon since the first yeah. book. Right. That's which true. he's gonna take his knife named Rabbit Slayer, which by the way, there's supposed to be this underlying thread of rabbit imagery that's running through. Well, and this book. was the, this was a joke in Chronicles. This was yeah. a joke mm-hmm. in the very first book. Right. Well, I have my knife, and I believe it was Caramon. Caramon said it was like, that's only good for killing a rabbit. Yeah, right. You're not gonna kill a dude. Yeah, you, you only kill a rabbit <laughs> rabbit or something. Yeah. Um, so we're on to chapter 15. Like, we're skipping through the story because we just did it, uh, you know, and all that <laughs> stuff. Um, oh, wait. We, well, actually, his, his mother's story, but what does we need do need to talk about is running around like a nut. Uh, Raceland drops the dragon orb from his pockets. And as it's rolling around and he's trying to pick it up, there's the portal. Yeah, like he finds right. the portal because of kind of an accident in some way. He's well, running the, around because his mind has been broken. Or you know, he's so he's he's I, I, emotionally I, I, racked. Mind blown. Yeah. And, and see that and see that's the thing too is I don't I don't I don't know if it was so much that it was just the fact that he was in such a manic state that he ended up running with fin- with fist and antelus in his head and everything else. Yeah. He was in such a manic state that he just his body just took him directly to the portal. Yeah. Right. Oh, and it yeah. talks about how. He he thinks the dragon orb wants to go home, or wants yes. to leave him because it, it is no longer under his control. Well, and it's he's it's scared. The dragon yeah. orb, in some ways, is trying to preserve itself. Yeah. I mean, this is like the ring in Lord of the Rings. Well, correct. Yeah, just, you know, the dragon lord has always been a sentient being. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Uh, I really love the description of this portal here. It's five dragon heads 
Uh, you, you know, have to I, turn them the right way and say the right words, and you have to. It's a Stargate. Here's what's weird though: when he grabs the dragon orb, why does the portal op- open? It says the portal opens to warn him. Why is the portal opening? I think that was. I don't think it was the portal op- actually opening. I think it was. The I thought dragon. it did. No, it might have in his mind. In my mind, it was the dragon orb putting that image in his head. Oh, okay, it was not the okay. actual portal portal opening because you need the virgin priest or cleric. And, right, and that's what I things. thought. So I, you need all this stuff. I just, like he yeah. grabs the orb and the, the portal opens. Well, no, I could... I, I, the orbs, and I, I kind of read that, the yeah, I like he, that where, he pick, where he picks up the orb and is like, dude, don't. Yeah. Cool. Okay, yeah, all right. It's that last warning. I like that. I like that. But what I like is Raceland senses the fear of the Dark Queen and uh, he's like, okay, time to enter this portal. Yeah. Like, yeah, so he bamps down to Chrysania. Chrysania. Hey, baby, you want to get out of here? It's <laughs> time, baby. It's time, baby. Let's go to that open her up. Yeah. Uh, I love all of this imagery. All of, everything that goes on here. There's tons to talk about. We don't necessarily have the time, but it's awesome, yeah. awesome, awesome. And yeah, and Car- we we do have we have the whole scene where Caramon's been set up by the doers. He's got doers on top of him. Oh, I love to this chop fight. off his head, and all of a sudden Taz oh, Ex Machina so cool. comes up. I, I love this fight. Just yeah. the quick. A lot of these little fights that they do, I really enjoy. Yeah. Yes, I love the epic battles, but at the same time, even when Raceland was stabbed, I enjoyed. Yeah. That little quick combat, right? Yep. And I love this because they have to keep going. They're they keep going back through doors. They're like from the map room to the next room. Yeah, like they keep having to collapse. Well, then they back. realize they're trapped in the map room right. after that. And Tass is Tass is there. Caramon's going. What are you doing yeah. here? And just as Argat's axe is about to come down on Caramon, that Taz's little knife is like Rah! right through his <laughs> neck. It's yeah. fantastic. I, I all of this is great. Yeah. Um. So they retreat into the math. Map room and Taz. No, not the meth room. It's ma- the map room. <laughs> yeah. And, it's only up here. And it's, Taz fades. It's a whole different thing. <laughs> but Taz awakens and tells Caramon everything, including about the betrayal of his brother, Raceland. Yes. And Caramon tells the guards to find their way to safety. This is where things get a little perplexing for me with Caramon. And this is where some of my stuff came. Like, the imagery was awesome. But um, he just wants to bamf home. Yep. Right, like we're we're all I'm of done. a sudden we, done. we suddenly collapse to, to everything. Where Caramon just Get wants to go one. see Tika. I guess my question is, what does Caramon think Raceland is doing at this point? He has seen imagery uh, or gotten the words that he is tr- that Raceland is trying to become a god. He has seen him burn this entire village. He has constantly been betrayed by his brother. What does Caramon think? Raceland is doing at this point. It, I don't think it matters. But this is why Car- I think no, Caramon is, is not a heroic this character. Is, this is the one he go going up there and going and bringing Taz with him and going up there. This is the come again. Come home. Yeah. This is the one. It's we're on the last sinewed thread. The last thread tying the, us together. The, the last sinewed tying. Th- you know, yeah. un, uh, uh, untying thread here, and that's why he goes up there. He puts his hand on Car- on Raceland. Is come on, let's right. just go. Let's leave this entire well, plan. And, what Caramon and, tells Taz is he's like Raceland has has his life. I have mine. But I'm like, well, not really. Like, I mean, you're you're acting like 
uh, Raceland's just making a choice to go move to Florida and join a convent. Well, Florida is what? Florida. <laughs> Florida is kind of the abyss. You know, I mean, yeah, true. <laughs> I mean, but like, well, like they have great gated community. Like Caramon gets weirdly flippant about like, oh yeah, everything that I've just fought an epic battle, done all of this stuff. Pretty much, most, I just pretty much my army's dead. At this final point now, my brother's upstairs trying to become a dark god, might destroy the entire universe. I don't know. I just want to go to my home to my trailer house in the trees. Hey, <laughs> like, this is, this like, is well, it. Like this is one, Bob, this is one more chance. This is, this is it. This is Caramon's... D- the, and I'm I'm guessing when we jump into the second book here, it's not going to be... It's not going to be. No, it's not but going to be. But at this point in time, this is the... Let's go home. It's human. I, I mean, no. Well, kind of. But what I'm saying is, Raceland is or Caramon is making this choice. Like at this last hour, he has he has fought for his brother throughout all of these books and constantly been maligned by his brother. Yeah. Right. And then we get to this last part where I don't really know what Caramon thinks Raceland is doing. Right. Uh, even before Caramon goes up into that chamber, right? He's like, Raceland has his life, I have mine, he was trying to kill me, whatever, I'm done. You're right, Clob. This is the last severing. He goes up, Raceland is standing with Chrysania before this portal, and everything is... She's got, opening, she's got light shooting out her eyes. and He's opening everything up, and Raceland has, or Caramon has heard in his head before, he is trying to become a god. What is Caramon thinking? Like, he's going to walk up to his brother the last minute and say, let's go home, and then I'm just going to... I don't know what my brother's doing. He's destroying the universe for all... He's becoming a dark god. Does Caramon, does, does Caramon know that that's what's happening? I don't know if he. If what he does Caramon think is going on? It doesn't matter. Point. Let's just let's end all the cra- let let let's end all the craziness. Let's go home. But what I'm saying is that's what he says there. That's not what is said in the chapter before. No, Caramon cha- gives up before he sees race. He doesn't give up. He says that he he's he's setting it up for this. Yeah. He's setting. He said he has his choices. I have my choices. I'm going to try one last time. I'm going to try one last time. I will give him that one last chance, and if he breaks it, I'm gone. I'm going back to Tika and... I don't believe you, (laughs) Caramon. Well, yeah, it's Caramon. He he has a tendency to say... And actually, I will admit, Bob, that I'm hugely projecting here, because this is very similar to the conversation I had with my (laughs) 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 ex-wife. We're four hours away from home. I'm going home. Let's just go home. Let's just let's just go home. And right. the answer was no. And then we bamfed into other existences. Other existences. I, I get <laughs> it. Okay, I get abyss. it. <laughs> yeah. You went, you went home. Oh my god, she's Tikesis. Right. Yeah. I was married to Tikesis. <laughs> right. But you don't don't we also get this description <laughs> of Raceland talks to Caramon and describes everything that's gonna happen. Oh yeah. He, to Chrysania. He goes dark, just like the lights in the studio did. Yeah. But it's that, that was actually he, perfect timing. It really yeah. was, but it's one of those where he goes real dark and just says, "I will." Chris I will, use, I will suck her. power from her. I will walk and I will walk over her corpse when she is done being a battery for me. Is essentially yeah. what he says. Well, she is pleading, looking to me for safety. I will walk forward and not turn back and and see her. Or whatever. I don't know. Mm. I, mean, I can't quote it exactly. Don't hate the player, hate the game. Yeah, it's <laughs> dark. 
Oh yeah, all of this gets really muddy, and and again, I I love all of this at the end. I'm just bringing up all these questions of like, so because I think I think you're right. I think it, it's like this tragic hero that was. Well, I can't believe I just character. shared that over the podcast. I, I, <laughs> I I'm a little emotional. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. But I I think that I I think that's that that's really like I love what's going on with these characters. I'm I'm just saying that that Karaman is ceasing to be an incredibly heroic character for me. And he is just becoming a normal character. He is. Me. I would agree with but you. Then, know. But then again, I will state this as well. Yeah. You're a huge Conan fan. Yes, I am. Yes. Karaman is not Conan. No, he is not. You are very... Karaman is not Conan, just like uh, Tannis is no Aragon. No, no, he is not. <laughs> no statement. No, he... Is not. <laughs> but again, this so this is whereas Conan would Conan would have chopped his brother down already. Yes, yes. This is I, again, like Luke said. Yeah, it's a humanity thing. It is that yes. you 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 can't necessarily just do it. You may yeah. want to do it. You may think you can do it, but you can you. you most of the time, you cannot necessarily just do it. We talked about one of the characters being that friend who comes over and, you know, is a really good time friend and it's great to hang out with, but you may wake <laughs> up and your wallet's gone. Right. Mm. True. Yeah. Look, a lot, of time, a lot of times, if you're, you know, a lot of times there is that human emotion where, right. okay, you know what, I can deal with, I can deal with that because I still, I right. still want you to be in my life. Mm-hmm. And it's a, I think this is a very human right. moment for Karaman. Right. And it's what? also a very it's it's also a very defining moment, which I'm interested to see where it's going to go in the third right. book, because it's been cut. Mm-hmm. That we get to the we get to this, Caramon basically goes, mm-hmm. all right. Cuts that last tie within him to Raceland, walks over, spins the dial. Yeah. At which point Raceland looks uh, the portal starts closing, and Raceland looks over and goes. Oh crap! The yep. gnome worked on it. Yeah, right. And he's trapped in the same time. He's, exactly, he's, he's, he's trapped in the same in the in the same history here. He does manage to, which again speaks to Raceland's. Awesome I'll, even, I'll even say ungodly amount of power. Uh, yeah, here. yeah. Or yeah, actually, yeah. probably godly yeah. amount of godly power. amount yeah. of power. Yeah. Where to where he he manages to hold it open. I'm going to hold for it a open. Second. But I, f- I feel some of we know what kind of happens because we get the ending where Caramon and Taz bamf out. But I think we we are told he bamfs into the portal. Mm. Like we we get the last words, we get the impression Raceland is not dead. I, it doesn't necessarily leave this on a cliffhanger as to what happened. I think we know that Raceland went in. Uh, yes, we know you, that. You, you know, it yes. yeah, it's not necessarily on a cliffhanger. It's not it's, on it's a cliffhanger. More, more so. I like mean, it is a, a cliffhanger, but on like a, a Netflix. Cliffhanger. Yeah. We're like, I just want to know what happens next. Yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah. And see, that's the thing too. Is it's it's okay. Yes, it's that. Exactly. Next time, next time on Dragonlance, the twin series. Right. Dragonlance Z. Right. I don't. Know, some weird anime reference. Right. Dragon Ball Z. I'm just. No? I guess what. <laughs> Where I'm, I'm sitting at for so all this, and hey, listeners, if you're listening, I would love what you know for the ads of this on our Facebook page. Uh, post your thoughts on this. I maybe I'm missing it. I would love to know what Caramon knows about what Raceland is doing because that would change things for me. Because here, what I'm saying is, for a character, 
Karaman has once again really not moved any place. His arc is not an arc so much as it's like a bunch of waves. Where he's he's gotten better, he's gotten back. Now now he's like a leader of an army. Now he's not. But in the end, he's the same Karaman from Dragons of Autumn. No, he's Twilight. not. No, he's not. Twilight. Yes, where where he needs no, to make not. right here. He needs to make the choice. He needs to make the choice. Right. He has been his brother's pawn this whole time. He had at one point even wanted to kill his brother. Mm-hmm. If Karaman knows that Raceland is gathering the power of gods to him, which maybe he's not. He knows his brother is evil. His brother was going to kill him at this point. He's giving him a less chance to come home, right? Raceland needs to finally have the balls to kill his brother at this point. Because you are dooming... Raceland? I'm sorry, Karaman needs to have to the balls the truth, to kill his brother. To tell you the truth, why not both? What do you mean? Both of them should get the cojones to kill their brother. Yeah, I agree. Yes, yes. Why hasn't Raceland killed Caramon? Because he always needs him. Um, but but I, I, it's I, the I, twins trilogy. I feel like Caramon is still where he's always been, where he is. He will not kill his brother, even though at this point, standing in front of the portal to the abyss, where he will confront Takesis. That's what I'm saying. If Caramon doesn't know mm-hmm. what Raceland's doing, and he just thinks my brother's doing some weird magic thing where he's going into another dimension, maybe I'll never see him again. That's different. Okay. Then I'm, I, o- then I'm okay with it. But his eye, car- car- he's different than he was in the Chronicles because his eye, his eyes are open now. He knows who Raceland is. He knows who Raceland. He's he yes. knows who Raceland is. He knows Raceland is evil. He know he knows he's evil. He's not going to be. He 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 knows who Raceland is. He right. believes whatever now what everybody's been telling him for five books. But see, yes. that's the fulcrum point for me. I need to know his it, eyes. It, his it, eyes have been opened. If Karaman's just saying, "Hey, go be evil in the abyss or wherever the hell you're going," I don't care. I'm letting you go. Right? That's I'm fine. That's great. Okay. But you know, that's an arc to me. So, Karaman has come to the point where he's severing ties with. What my problem is is if he knows what. Raceland is about to do. He is about to become Hitler. It's like his yeah. his moral compass shouldn't allow. Shouldn't him allow. To... He, he should now oh, okay. at this point be saying, "I I now need to kill you, Raceland, because you are going to become Takesis." This is where you're sending the text messages yeah, saying, yeah, "Only the, expletive." Yeah, this is where I need to know what does Karaman know, and I missed it somehow in all of this. I don't know. I mean, what does Karaman know do, about, about this? I don't know. I don't either. Do you, do, you, do you think maybe, and again, I'm just throwing this out here. I'm not saying there's as much evidence. I was just thinking. Do you think Karaman actually believes he can pull it off? Yeah, I don't think he does. I think he might be thinking Raceland's going to his death. Yes. Come yeah. home because when you go in, you're going to die. Yes. Right. Yeah, I, I don't know. And so when it's okay... It's your choice to die. Right. I'm done dealing with you. I'm done dealing with that aspect. If you want to be... She's a freaking god. <laughs> You're a dude who makes sparkly fingers every now and then. <laughs> yeah, right. You know... Well, he I, did burn a village. I, I know, but yeah. still. Still, if you think about it from that perspective and you think about it from a quote-unquote barbarian timeline... Right. The gods are the freaking gods, man. And yes... You've met the gods. You hung out with the gods. The god right. was Paladine was a buddy of yours that tagged along as a small little dude for, with with you for a while. Oh, I right. love that guy. But it's still yeah. a god. 
Yeah, right. You're not going to, you know, is there a part of Karamon that is just like, dude, you're going to die. Right. Yeah. And, and that's what I believe. You know, I, I've been playing devil's advocate on this one because I love everything that happens at the end of this one, just to try to raise questions. But I, because I don't know what Karamon believes, you know, and it's not, I don't believe explicitly said in the text. And, you know, so I think it sets up all kinds of awesome questions, questions that I think will be answered as we get into the third book. So at that point, yes, everybody's bamfed out of existence here, wherever they are in the ethereal plane until yep. the next book. Oh, I'm excited for the next yes. book. Yes. Paul, where are you sitting here at the end of the t- War of the Twins? How are you feeling about the end of the War of the Twins? What do you feel about the book overall, the series overall so far? All right. So far, I've in- I really enjoyed Volume 1... Uh, of the war of the twins. We're in volume two. Let's just no, say I know war it. of the twins. Oh, okay. Who cares? This is war. Well, of the twins. No. this is the overall book. The overall book. Just war of the twins. What I'm, do you think I'm actually doing like a full on. Yeah, there you so, go. The uh, Dragonlance what? Legends. Yes, Dragonlance Legends thing. Oh, okay. So, yeah. All right. All right. So far, I really enjoyed the first book of the Dragonlance Legends, and in this second book. I am having a little bit more trouble with this Ooh, series. I know, normally I'm one that says, yeah, I really like these books because yeah. I have so far. But that book, too, it it really threw me off. Mm-hmm. With it, this, the second part of this book... The dwarf stuff you didn't the like. The dwarf stuff, the Chrysania stuff. Mm. I'm just kind of sitting there going, I like this dark... Raceland. I liked uh, the first part where it's kind of the build up into the world a little bit more, what right. time period they're in. It's that book two of volume two that I just didn't really enjoy, and it threw my reading off. To be very honest, I read through that book and kind of was like, all right, well, kind of paused for a week or so, and then <laughs> I didn't went, back, thing. went back into it and finished no. it and then got back into it. So I... I've got a mixed review on this. Parts of this book I loved. Right. Parts of this book, I really just kind of went, I don't care. So I would right. say this is like a, yeah, I would recommend it, mainly because if you want to read part one and part three, you got to read part two. Right. This is a, you have to read it if you want to read the entire series. Right. That's my recommendation. So middle of the ground. Yeah, middle ground. Club, yeah. what about you? Hey, kids. <laughs> Uncle Club here. Every time. War of the Twins. Um, I am basically in the same boat that you are, Paul. I read books two. I had a day off yesterday. I actually read books two and three yesterday. Wow. All in one shot. I all in one shot. Attaboy. I read like the first three chapters of book two. I went and took a nap. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) I went and took a nap. I got up like two hours later. Sat in my sat in my porch with an ale mm. and some uh, spicy potatoes, <laughs> and <laughs> read and, and read the rest read the rest of read the rest of the novel itself. Little doers. I uh, <laughs> I'm not a Scotch guy. Huh. Scotchy, Scotch, Scotch, Scotch. The middle of this book died for me. I was okay, and I was able to follow along with a lot of the. Uh, Dwarven stuff, that didn't bother me as much because I've read Dragons of Dwarven, Dwarven Depth, which is where you go to the, you go to the uh, Tomb of Karis. And so I kind of li- I liked the Karis stuff. I liked getting a little background from the Chronicles. Mm-hmm. However, it was the, it was the troop marching. 
that got to me. Huh. It was the we, we're we're intense having we're, we're intense having dinner. We're doing a couple little machinations. I loved the introduction of Garrick and Michael. I think this book really needed that, mm-hmm. and kind of I think that accentuated some of the things that Bob was saying about Caramon not being as true a hero general leader character type as he should have been. Mm-hmm. But I think that was kind of intentional right? Um, by the authors themselves to show where we were going and how this was happening. The end of this book, like as soon as, as, as soon as Raceland force lightnings the gnome into the corner, yeah. the rest of this book oh. flew for me. Oh, it's awesome. And, the, and I was into every single solitary yeah. thing that was going on towards the end of this book. Mm-hmm. The, the, we're in the top of the tower. We have the, you know, we have the, the Stargate spinning around. He's saying the words. We have, you know, Chrysania there and lightning sh- and, or a, and pure bright light is shooting out of all of her orifices. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it's true. That's where I got my intro. And I really... <laughs> I really felt that last heartbroken Caramon moment. Yeah. That last that last cutting of what we believe at this point to be the last string. Right. I really felt that going with these two guys through the last five novels. Uh, um, I'm going to go a recommend, not as high a recommend as Time of the Twins. I think Time of the Twins, Time of the Twins was a little tighter for me. Mm-hmm. And it, it, this got a little paradoxical for me when we dealt with the time travel versus the history, which I really liked, but I would have liked a little bit more explanation. It, I, I feel that could have been a little bit more thought out with what does the crossing out really mean? What do the different names really mean? Mm-hmm. How is that going to loop back around? And maybe we're going to get that in the test. Mm-hmm. Um, so Uncle Klob says, yes, again, I'm right, I'm right on par with you, Luke. Luke? I'm not Luke. Sorry, Paul. Thank you. <laughs> right on par <laughs> with you, Paul, of time is better. I'm hoping test will be better, but you can't link the two without reading this one. Exactly. And there are parts of this. Taz in the Abyss in book one. Oh. Just cool, cool stuff yeah. going on. A lot of really cool things going on uh, and cool things that happen that I think get mired a little too much in politics and troop movement. Mm. Luke. <laughs> up, you've baby? been uh you've been a little you've been a little quiet on the uh, last end of this book yeah, here. Yeah, How are you yeah, feeling, yeah, yeah, my friend? Feeling? I'm exhausted. You guys. <laughs> <laughs> um it has been like 3 hour review. <laughs> yeah, uh, 3 hour review. It's, Marathon. It's been, uh, I I for those counting um Luke's perspective. There, there you go. I There's the that. Luke's I, perspective. I, I said it in this episode now. Yeah. Um, no, I'm just... Um, I'm just tired. <laughs> That's uh-huh. all. Uh-huh. Um, and you know, and I, I feel like you guys... I'm tired. You guys... I'm tired, y'all. You yeah. guys are just covering stuff much better than I could in the end here. Um, the Dragonlance Legends Trilogy Volume 2. <laughs> books 1, 2, and 3. God, I can't. <laughs> I have my bits. I'm sticking to them. I love them. When it's hot enough, my bits stick to me. <laughs> <laughs> no one listens, my uh, We're free. You always, you always say that, but I don't know. 
That'll help get the bits off. <laughs> I feel like those swords sound different now. One of these um, days, one of these days, you'll drop one of those and just. I'm gonna get, get stabbed skewered. in the eye. I know it. You'd look good with we an shouldn't iPad. have swords. You'd, you'd look sweet with an iPad. That's true. Hey, hey, swords in this recording folks. recording studio. Not hey, great. M- at least they're not my swords, which are really sharp. Yeah. Your swords are over there. I know. That's, I think you. It's a good. I'm gonna take place. that. You no, didn't take it with you. Hey, hey, let Luke finish. Let Luke finish. Leave it in the finish. studio. I want that back. <laughs> I'm in these books. I don't, I don't, I don't know what to think. I, I don't. I feel so. I was called pretentious online once, and I'm holding on to that forever. Uh, because it really hurt him. The negative things you say really hurt. No, him. I no, like no. That. He's taking, he, takes, <laughs> he, he takes it as a badge of honor. Yeah, oh yeah. You're yeah. very pretentious. Yes. yes. <laughs> oh, I've welcome never, to I, the I, table of pretension. <laughs> I've never been called that before. Thank right. you very much. Um, <laughs> I'm struggling um, in this volume, this physical book. Yeah. Um, it has good ideas, mm. and I, I just I hate to even say this, but like my I, my thoughts on where Do these like, like what the first third of this book laid down, or even like what the first part of this trilogy laid down, mm-hmm. and where I thought it was gonna go, not it, it didn't it didn't go there. I, like where where it went in my brain was cooler than what it did. Can I talk? I just think so. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not even like talking slow. <laughs> Come on, Caravan. Um, no, again, the end of this book, you, you guys said it, was awesome. The troops part was weird. I, weird. I, I, don't want, I was going to say dumb. It, it was just boring. Um, now I'm talking. I... I said this in, a, in the last podcast that this book, the, the the review I read on Goodreads about this book was that it's the worst Dragonlance book ever. Mm. I, mm. I wouldn't, nah, I, it's, it's probably the worst one. Well, it's mm. not the worst one I've read. Mm. I, I'd recommend it over at least one of the original Chronicles books. Mm. Uh, but I don't know. I, but as a whole. I would not recommend this book. And I'm even going to go as far back to take back my true neutral review of the first one, and I would not recommend that one either. really? I, just to say, like, if you like Dragonlance, you like Dragonlance, and you're going to like these books. Right. And you have to like Dragonlance if you're going to like these books. I wouldn't recommend this just to just, like, a layperson. Yeah. Hey, I'm looking for good fantasy. Read this. (laughs) <laughs> no, I was. I no, was, again, and that's the problem. And that's the problem with series like is. this too. Is when, when you got to read the first four to get to this. When we're five yeah. books deep, how do you even recommend something that you yeah. haven't recommended the other ones in? Yeah, right. So I, I feel like I'm just kind of stuck on a nope. <laughs> <laughs> but but if you say enough stuff to me, like oh, I really like chromatic dragons, you're gonna love these books, <laughs> Bob. <laughs> You're right. I have said this from the beginning, that these books are for a special type of audience, right? Like, I mean, uh, I'm not going to go... Even if somebody comes up to me and says, well, I really like like going to watch them Lord of the Rings films, I'm not going to point them directly to Dragonlance. Because, I mean, if they said, I really like them Lord of the Rings films, and I'm going to a D&D game tonight, I'll be like, hey, have you ever ever thought of reading Dragonlance, right? Yeah, it's it's definitely for some... for for, um, an audience who's more into this style um and i agree luke you have this has a high price of entry you have to read the chronicles you have to get to that's these a, books that, that's a good 
I, I, you know, I mean, it, it, it does. And so you have to start people off at Chronicles. And, and that's, I remember when we even started all these books, everybody going, oh, the Chronicles are a little weaker, but the Legends, once you get there, are so much better. I read the same thing on Goodreads that you did, Luke, where they're like, mm, this is the worst one of the three. I don't know that I'll agree with that. I actually, actually, I'm dis going to disagree with the, everybody at the table and being like, I, I would hold this up about as high as the first of the legends. I, I didn't have that problem. But here's where I struggle with. I had read this book a year ago when we talked about, when we did the last Dragonlance books, I plowed through all the way through legends. I'd read this book. I didn't remember a dang thing about half of this <laughs> book. I'm like, so when we started getting with the dwarves, I'm like, I don't even know what happens in here. Which to me maybe speaks either of my inability to retain anything, which could be true. Um, but also might speak with like, well, maybe it is a really weak book and that's why it didn't stick with me. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It was straight filler. Right. And like you say, Luke, with perspective, maybe for whatever reason this time when I read it, I was digging the dwarves. I liked what was going on. I was seeing cool imagery and, and whatever. And I do think there was really slow parts. Like you said, Club, after reading the first three chapters, you went and fell asleep. I read the first three chapters of this this part two and I book two and I kind of the same thing. I'm like, God, this is gonna be a slog. Well, I think I well, I even talked to you, Luke, and I'm like, God, this next part's gonna be kind a, of a slog. A, a, a and B does not equal C. Just because Claude read this book and took a nap does not mean he took a nap because he read this book. Oh well, but well, you, but well, he kind of said that said that he, he yeah. Well, but, but, okay, I was. That's what you were insinuating, I was already, right? I was already tired to begin with, but it this was just, just kind of like, I can't, I. But that's what you're saying. If I'm, going, if I'm, yeah, going, to was, if I'm yeah. going to plow through this and finish this, I need to go get rested. <laughs> but I, I, need to take a, I need to reach. Right, but I agree with that. At the end of this, I read those same three chapters and I was like, ooh, this is going to get a little. When we were dunking and stuff, I wasn't into it at first. Well, and especially after we came out of book one so strong. Yeah. And we came out of, of book one of volume two here. We came out of book one of War of the Twins so strong. I want to know what's going on in the yep. ethereal plane in the abyss, especially after re-listening to our episode with your whole... Yeah. Yeah. You know what? They were cursed with the fact that they had to do a data dump in that first part yeah. of book two, where all of a sudden is you could, I could hear the, the, the brakes just screeching. Like, also, I'm sitting with Duncan, and I'm getting a whole history of dwarves. I'm like, yikes, guys. I... It's not continuing this momentum from the next book, uh, or from the last book. But overall, I, I, I really did like this. Uh, and so I guess I, I gave the last book a, a high recommend. I'm going to, because I didn't remember anything about this, I'm going to say I'm going to give this a moderate recommend. Um, but of course, like everything, this is the caveat of you have to have read all of the Dragonlance Chronicles before you even get here. And maybe, maybe we need to come up with a better... Recommend yeah. or not recommend when you're doing a huge franchise. When you're on part five of in Infinity, correct of a hundred and ninety some books. Like correct. Yeah. Yeah. So all that being said, hey kids, <laughs> it's your old uncle. Hey, it's your old Uncle Claude telling you to jump on Facebook, jump on the old Twitter. Hey, give us some feedback. Talk to us. Uh, tell us, uh, you know, your thoughts on this. Was War of the Twins your bag? Was you, were you into this? Is this where you need? Where you felt you this needed to go? Um, 
are you try not to spoil it for us for the test of the twins? I, but you know, I, how how I, do you no, feel? No spoilers, please. How no do you spoilers. feel? How are you feeling about Time of the Twins, Test of the Twins, Legends versus Chronicles, all that stuff? All of that. Jump on our Facebook. Jump on our Twitter. Um, by all means, leave us a voicemail. And Bob, yeah. that number is one two one eight four eight one eight five eight one. Insert number here. Uh, check, check on our Twitter and Facebook. Uh, oh, okay, fine. I won't say it's up. It's out there. Hey, leave us a voice message. Um, be nice. We're trying to be nice to you. I actually or don't. Or don't. We have Whatever. fun. <laughs> we have fun. Um, if uh, you're really hey, that's my up. wife doing the uh, voice uh, mail message. So be nice to her too, huh? <laughs> All right. Well, I think we are done here for this particular episode. This particular we, studio. We are done yeah. here in this particular this studio. studio. So I tell you what. I tell you what. She's got the battle axes over there. She's got the drinks. Let's take this mother apart. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dungeons and Weebs. There's even more adventuring to be had at our website, dungeonsandweebs.com. We would love to hear from you. You can email us at dungeonsanddweebspodcast at gmail.com. You can also find Dungeons and Dweebs on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Find all those links at dungeonsanddweebs.com. If you enjoyed the podcast, please help spread the word by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes. The music for Dungeons and Dweebs is Fatal Fight by Royalty Free Kings. And can be found on their website, royaltyfreekings.com. Dungeons and Dweebs is a Tim Gilbert Media production. Copyright 2017. All rights reserved. And no part of this show can be reproduced, repurposed, or redistributed without the express written permission of Tim Gilbert Media. Stupidity on all. He is a buffoon who does not know what to do. Thank you. That was pretty terrible. Baboon ass. <laughs> <laughs> on the pod podcast that I listen to, the, the Star Wars one, uh, that's what they've been playing all the time. Uh, Carrie Fisher was talking about the hair she had in Force Awakens, mm-hmm. and she calls it her baboon ass hair. <laughs> It's like, George Lucas puts my hair in these buns. That's all anybody knows from me. And then I come back for episode seven, and it looks like a baboon ass. Uh, And they have it available as a ringtone. Looks like a baboon's ass. Yeah, so she's all gravelly, and that's all you hear is, baboon ass.